0: Alright, what's going on guys? This is obviously Jordan here talking from the Undergraduate Survival Guide Podcast. Today we've got my main man, Michael, from Cambridge. Uh we're gonna be talking about university experience as normal. And I chewed up a bunch of questions that I thought would be interesting, but I don't want it to be too formulaic. So we're gonna start by just talking about obviously you're graduating now. Like I know we talked about it in the past as well, about how your university experience was like
1: I think it's best to start with if we wanna tell people about like university and how university works I think we have to start from origins so can you tell can you can you um I want to start with the spaceship story because <laughs> <I promise laughs> the, the, the spaceship story kind of ties in perfectly with the kind of life that you expect at um university so this was year what this was year this was year what year 10 year 11
0: I think 10 or maybe 11 actually second year of GCSEs
1: and this was Subway. This was okay. So this was a Subway where I don't know if this was like a regular thing for people. It may have been. It may have not been. But we had regular seats. And when I say we, I mean like you know we. This this the squad. What? Like the squad changed over time. But like the main like the squad the main squad. where We had a seat at all of these fast food joints. It started off with uh Sam's, uh, Hounslow West. Uh and it's and it's gone all over the park, it's gone it's gone to various KFCs, uh MACDs. We were there before the food court so there was no uh Burger King for us uh Dunkin' Donuts to but that never happened. And
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah those are close man.
1: And um Oh man, Dunkin' Donuts man! Do you remember that time you came in like, like this was like it must have been like six p.m. and you and Zara came in and I had already been there for like three hours, like my <laughs> bitch up, <laughs> <laughs> nonsense. What so, were you doing? Like, anyway... Little... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, I just wanted to, I just wanted to talk about some random nonsense to start. So, what about university?
0: Now, let's talk about we've been dating in school, man. It's nuts. Some of the memories from from like I was thinking back the other day. How I used to interact with girls and it's yeah. the maddest, the maddest thing. You know? <laughs> Even you now mean? it's um... not, but like now, for example, obviously it's quarantine, quarantine days and every now and then it's like, oh, let yep. me talk to some random person. So I like go into Instagram, open a DM and I, I start typing something and I'm like, this is low key, like mad salacious. <laughs> I don't want to, it's such a tight line between like,
1: wait, what does salacious mean?
0: Like, uh, unsolicited sexual uh, demeanor kind of thing
1: the hell from a message how are you so what
0: i don't know apparently a winky face is, is deep man like,
1: <laughs> all right but all right continue
0: now nah, it's not like because obviously in school we messed around a lot yeah and you, you'd think well at least i thought that at some point you just learn automatically like okay this is how you
1: go about doing certain things but never actually no i think you do. Never no, you learn, you don't, I mean, obviously you don't learn it in like a textbook. You don't sit down and have someone, and like, someone tell you this is how you're supposed to do. But I think it's a combination of things that teaches you. It's it's experiences, it's common sense, and it's um not just your experiences. When I say experiences, I mean your experiences and other people's experiences. Because even if you're not a guy that like knows how to approach people, you're shy or you've just never been able to get girls, you'll know someone that is. And at some point your brain will have the unless you're like some mad, insecure deep person, your brain will be able to like connect the dots on what these people do and what that make them successful and what you do that makes you unsuccessful in your in your pursuits, I think. That being said, you know, there's many people our age and many people older that are more useless than we were as, you know, young teenagers. So maybe <laughs> that's all bullshit. But in terms of learning, I think you do I don't know, you if you're trying to ask like I think it happens pretty pretty um instantaneously when I think about like going from school days to now, it doesn't feel like a gradual kind of you learn bits I feel like it's it's almost like a flashlight goes on and you suddenly re- you can like suddenly see all of the nonsense that you were doing and you you make mm. you learn in big chunks and I think that just happens when I don't know if it's just like you hit you hit a certain breaking point or you hit like a uh just like an epiphany something happens in your life and it's just like an epiphany thing but i I don't know man how you learn i think there's so many factors that go into it and i think you it's not like a it's not like normal academic learning you're not learning bit by bit it's almost like your brain subconsciously storing all of this information and at some point a a light just switches on and you suddenly realize all of these things
0: Hmm. that makes sense i feel like for me like as an individual it was different in school because a lot of I mean we were friends with Gareth man. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of people that we hang out with or I say I hung out with at the time couldn't we really learn much from in that regard and then I guess it's different because in school everyone's kind of dumb anyway like before 18 you don't really know what you're doing you just it's all just jokes
2: yeah
0: it's weird now being 21 gone to 22 and having to to think twice of every message I send because it's not I don't know how bad it'll be
2: I don't think you have to. I don't think that's true.
0: Hmm. How did you learn? Well, when?
2: Probably a better time. I think.
1: I think I did something that a lot of um. I don't know. A lot of. I feel like I told myself a very common lie that a lot of guys tell themselves because they don't believe that they can compete and they want to give themselves a fighting chance, and that's that. Girls are like girls are looking for this this guy that wants to like that understands them, that's there for them, that's all of all of this nonsense. So rather than competing on like being cool or being charismatic or being attractive or any of those things, you're like, okay, I'll let the other guys do that and I'll call those guys, you know, toxic and blah blah blah. <laughs> and I I'll, I'll be like the knight in shining armor that girls are, you know, secretly looking for. I think like there was some point where you just realize, especially if you're mates with girls, I was always mates with girls. So it like, it's like it's shocking that it took me so long to realize. But like they just think the same way as dudes think exactly the same way as dudes, The same way attraction works, The same way. Like all of this stuff works in terms of how they want to move to guys, how they talk to each other about guys like no one out there is looking for this person that's going to solve all of their problems and stuff they don't see themselves as damsels in distress and there's too many guys out there that fall into the trap of thinking that like you can somehow subvert the rules like the rules of attraction by providing this other service of being like a shoulder to cry on or a supportive figure or like the nice dude and yeah for for me the biggest learning curve i realized is when that like that was all just nonsense it's absolute nonsense. No one is out there looking for that. And if you, I I don't know how to even describe how you fall into the trap to begin with, but all I know is that it's, it's, it's a, it's a massive, massive lie that so many people tell themselves. I was telling myself for years and you, you have to get over it if you want to, if you want to be successful.
2: That being said,
1: i've got I've got to state this right now for the record yeah, just in case anyone's sitting here and they're thinking like we're these two guys, like we are we're nerds one we're massive nerds <laughs> we are massive nerds, like neither of us are really attractive or like it has many positive characteristics whatsoever, like like um. And we have way more, like, horror stories than we do success stories. So anyone out there, I just want to state this out because we're going to talk. The way we talk makes it seem like we know what we're talking about. But it's only because we spent our whole life hanging out with people that are even more clueless than us. So when it comes to these (laughs) conversations, we always assume, like, a position of authority when it comes to talk about this stuff. We know nothing. I think it's always very important to start these conversations now saying that yeah because i remember um i was playing this with with to uh i was playing a, a video of yours about um for your youtube channel about how to get girls yeah <laughs> someone from school, i think it was like jody or something and she just mm. booed out thing man
0: mad so this this is the self-loathing part of the podcast Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> all right let me uh, just man, say if did you share my michael like, harvey did not represent those of the undergrads for ever guy podcast <laughs>
1: <laughs> nah, <laughs> no, but the if you're man. like some if you if you ain't if you are a normal dude, yeah, if you ain't Patson, if you ain't I don't know, uh who else Dylan, Dylan got a lot of tail. If you ain't Ben Conway, if you were just a normal dude, if you're Ashen, you know, we've got we've got advice for you. That's the way I feel like when it comes to this <laughs> stuff, that's how we should advertise it. We'll we'll take your game up from a four to a six and a half.
0: I mean, it's relative, innit? It's always been relative. It's peak, like, as soon as I hit uni, I've met a bunch of guys, I'm like, damn, I really, I really ain't shit, man. (laughs) Like, like, my juice, I thought I had sauce before, but it turns out I'm just like a, I thought it was like a barbecue, rich barbecue sauce, turns out I'm just mayonnaise, man.
1: Yeah, so what we're doing here, what happened basically, is we're in the foundation class. And we're like the (laughs) best students in the foundation class. And we're willing to help other people in our class with revision and stuff. But let's not get it twisted. The best grade you can get on that foundation paper is a C. That's where we are. We're the best C students out there. Yeah. If you are on a D, if you need to pass, you're, you know, you're desperate to pass. Just not to do anything exceptional, spectacular. You know anything? You know too wonderful. You just want to pass. You need to pass. You know we're the guys. We're the guys. <laughs> we'll, we'll get. We'll get. you We'll get you that pass grade, man. Just so that you're not out there embarrassing yourself. But don't. Yeah, we ain't. We ain't cool guys. We just wanted to get that out there. <laughs>
0: That's an interesting transition, actually, because um, it must have been what last year when I got a speeding ticket, and then I was in the um speed awareness course, and the guy, the instructors, like rate yourself between zero and 10 of how good you're, of a driver you are. And everyone mm. put out, everyone said they're like eight, nine or 10. Yeah. And he asked them, so like, do you think you're good, bad, average, whatever? And they said, oh, we think we're average. So he goes, mm. how can, if you think you're average and you also think you're an eight out of 10, how can eight possibly be average? Mm. And it's like, it's nuts. I feel like, especially in your seven, eight hours, four hours, like this eight, nine, 10 type of guy. And in my mm. head, average was me. But then you eventually deep that the whole point of average is that it's, you know, five is in the middle. Mm. <laughs> Realizing that, you know, you're so saying all of that. That was peak, man. I, I, when it comes to like, you know, people say for university, um, you could be the smartest in your class at school. But when you go to uni, you're like, just a big, a big fish in a big pond. Oh, hell there.
1: yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Can't be the smartest in school. What was that thing Mr. Gold used to always say? Being a big fish in a small pond. Oh,
2: yeah. I know that, but go on.
0: Nah, it's just it's just weird. It's just weird, especially what, at to uni.
1: to go from that transition from being what from being a top guy to not a top guy.
0: Yeah, from being a big a big business. It's
1: contextual, to... It's contextual. Whether you're talking about the girls or the uni work, it's contextual. Mm. It depends on what your goals are. Like I said, if you're you are under you are underachieving. If you're trying to if you're out here trying to bag nines, nines and above, and the only girls that like you are sevens, no matter what you think of yourself, if that's what you're trying to do and that's what you can do, you're underachieving because it's all contextual. Whether you're overachieving, underachieving or performing how you think you should be performing, it's based on whatever context you set yourself. Same thing Mm. with 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 work. If you're working at a certain level and you're the big fish in school it's only because the context the environment is the hundred or so kids that you're surrounded by you then go to university it's a completely different environment not just in terms of who's around you but in terms of like the skills that you need to to be successful because now it's no longer about um in 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 school exams memory plays such a big factor that becomes, a, I don't know about all of the subjects, but I know for STEM subjects at university, memory just, the advantage of having a really good memory just kind of diminishes because the questions become a lot more problem-solving and a lot less rote learning. So yeah, yeah. the environment completely changes. So you're going to have some people that, you know, they go to university and they discover something about themselves. Really turn it on. I had a girl, when the engineer's on my uh my course, I was her supervision partner in second year. There was a lesson where she had we had to differentiate. um We were just doing going through some working, and for one part of the working, you had to differentiate uh, something like y squared, and it took us twenty five minutes to explain to her. Mad how to differentiate, you know, y squared with respect to y, and this is like it's like secondary it's secondary school stuff, and mm. this is this is Cambridge engineering. And she's struggling. Yeah, she got a uh she got a two two that year. The next year, she got uh she was four marks off a of first because she learned that the skill that she could bring to the table is this ridiculous work ethic that like pretty much blew everyone else out of the water. She she worked like it was a like a job, like a nine to five thing, like every nice. day, Monday, Friday, Monday, Saturday. And you know Ooh. that's what I mean about context in school. She's getting mocked. For not being able to differentiate stuff, she's getting A's when other people are getting A stars. Yeah. Fast forward years, the context like she doesn't change, but the context changes, and suddenly everything's different. Same thing with girls as well. If the Mm. context change, if the context changes, then everything changes. Suddenly you're overperforming when you are underperforming, or vice versa. It's it's all contextual.
0: Yeah, because you gotta adapt to your playing field, don't it? Like. It's it's funny actually you're talking about like the girl in Cambridge. Do you feel do you feel like you stand out at all? I mean obviously as a black student it's always like (laughs) you're you're always gonna stand out in that regard in terms of race, but in terms of like intelligence or like what you do in a day to day.
2: You mean do you mean like work wise?
0: No, but like I mean in school we were always like that group. Do you kinda have that is that like a thing that you continued into uni or is it just like
1: Um Yeah and no. Yeah and no. One thing about my, with me and uni, I never really, until, until like a month before the coronavirus hit, I never really got into the university activities in terms of like, we do a lot of like black tie dinners. I've still never been to a May ball, which is like Man. the biggest, the biggest event of like the calendar. Um A lot of that kind of stuff. Like I've been, I've been to less than five formals. Um I've never, yeah, I've never really been big on the swaps. Or any of those, the, the pub crews or any of those kind of social, social things. I basically did what I did to school. I found a little tight knit circle of, um, delinquents and, <laughs> you know, troublemakers and just horrible, mm-hmm. horrific people. And we just did dumb shit for, for, for years until like the majority of us graduated. That, that's, that's, that's like, um, that's what I'd say I'd spend uni doing.
2: Sounds
1: like the no, yeah, but in terms of like a, um, like, uh, work wise, I'd, I'd also say that I, I was very late to develop kind of like a work ethic in terms of like a work level maturity. And I went down, I'm someone that went, I feel like at university, you discover whether you're, you're passionate about the course or you're passionate about your paper. Cause it's going to be one or the other. It's like a it's like the law of sunk cost. By the time you get to second or third year, you have sacrificed so much to these exams that you start to think about what you're gonna get out of it. So you either still love your subject and you're gonna be like that, or you, you, you subscribe to the school of, okay, now I'm gonna get my compensation. And I had a guy in my year who, uh, got a 2-2 in chemical engineering. He got an internship at a, um at a bank, offered him Mm -hmm. something like 50k unconditional offer, something like that. Just for the... Because he was so good on the internship, they didn't care about his grades, they didn't care about anything. I remember when I found that out, and I, like... I discovered that yeah, I was no longer gonna be this guy that was just passionate about this subject because I came in loving F one and I was just like, this is all I want to do, this is all I'm gonna do. I don't care if if F one people don't really get paid that much. I don't care if the hours are long. But when I heard that the guy who was at the bottom of the class was well, near the bottom of the class was going was gonna become the biggest baller in our year.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: that definitely changed my approach in terms of like the kind of student I was playing. I was now no longer being like the going to all of the after all of the all of the clubs and trying to like get my my knowledge base up it became very much more like tactical learning after that in terms of like social places I've definitely been I feel like I've been a weird kind of black figure in Cambridge as well <laughs>
2: I've been a
1: very weird black figure I'll, I'll explain what I mean yeah cuz um when I came in in my college, there was this guy. He was two years above me, and he was, like, the guy. He was, like, the big name. And mm. um, I remember my first night out, it was for freshers, he found me out of the club, came, came around me, and was like, yo, dude, he's, like, the most calm, like, most just, like, nicest person that you'll ever meet, vibesiest person that you'll ever meet, yeah. Mad. And that was, like, what our college had. I don't do none of that nonsense, man. I don't even associate that much (laughs) with ACS, because I enjoy having naps and watching TV too much. Like, I don't really even do that much ACS nonsense. But the people that know me, and those are going to be people around college or people that have seen me about, for some reason, I stick in their head. Like, I get asked about in place... I get asked about by people who I don't even remember meeting, in the sense that, because I don't think there's really many... You know, there's there's this black excellence culture?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially
1: in a place like Cambridge, where there's not that many Black people, there's this there's this pressure to be like to 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 live up to this image of Black excellence, man. And it's fake. And I think that um, there's a people, the people that know me or the people that remember me. The reason why they remember me is because every time I've ever been out, the few times that I am out, they remember that I've done some some real stuff. And I feel like that if you're talking about the A black figure in Cambridge, that's, that's probably one thing I can say I'm proud of. I'm the one that like shows, that are showing people that you don't have to come in and be, you don't have to come, if you, if if you don't want to, you don't have to come and adapt to this like other lifestyle. You don't have to start, if you don't feel comfortable where, you know, dressing up in these suits and going out for these dinners, you'd rather just go and get KFC with your boys. You can Mm. do that. You don't have to feel excluded from this whole culture of what's going on, you know, because even ACS does that to a little bit of a degree because of the black excellence culture. You know, you it's it's not this harmonious kind of like club where everyone just gets along with everybody. I think part of that as well is because you're trying to force a connection with people where you don't really have that much connection if i'm part of like say hong kong society a lot of people in my uh uni hong kong society were born and raised in hong kong so they come to form this club so that they can share these things together if i go to acs i was born in chichester and both my parents are from trinidad so what do i have in common from someone that went to private school in nigeria and then went to cambridge the only thing we have in common is that we're both black Mm. culturally we have nothing in common like I've, I've heard too many jokes about Jell-Off Rice that I can't, I can't contribute in. I've never had it. I'm not a lie. I've never had it. <laughs> and that's what I mean about the black excellence. I feel like it's because there's nothing in common that people try and create this like, this black persona that's mm. fake. Cause I know I'm not the only one that's never had Jell-Off Rice in that, in that, in that, in that crowd. But you're still going to try and laugh along with the jokes and you're still going to try and sell yourself like that so that you can feel part of this community. And I think what I did in my university, like I let a lot of these guys know. You can be part of that community but and be you at the same time. You don't have to you don't have to fall under this mold of what, you know, uh, educated black person looks like an educated yeah, black yeah. person looks like whatever you want it to look like. So that's one that's one thing I did at uni. Mm. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: man. It's, 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 it's we 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 don't have a lot of niggas. we really don't
0: <laughs> yeah you have like what six i think or in your college at least
1: oh in my college we have there we had we have eight i think we have eight in the first year now mm. that's, first good. Year. that's a good sign in my year, we had, like we had like four or five it's funny I like
0: know. i was talking to my friend yesterday doobie on the, on the podcast and yeah. he was saying we were talking a bit about like leadership in a black community and wherever you're kind of allowed to do that if you're allowed to not be a leader i should say and obviously he was acs president in bristol in my second year Mm. and it's like i kind of touched on it with him as well, but it's like the image of you know of of a black person is very singular like when you think of like an excellent Mm. black person it's always like this you
1: say leader leader of black people who are you being a leader to do you know what i mean think about the people in our school Think about the people that were always that were always getting picked on, always in if you ever went into our school and you ever went to a heads detention, any year group, there it, it wasn't a coincidence that even though the minority of the year was black, the majority of the people in detention were black. So when yeah. you're saying leader, who are you being a leader to? Because those are the ones that need leadership. Let's not pretend like black people out here are the ones that make it are these really clever, clever people, and the ones that don't make it just aren't that clever or they're That's not what it is. You have people that are coming from very difficult households that aren't motivated because even teachers don't believe in them. Mm. And for what? They don't really. From my experience, these kids that are always in these detentions, they don't do anything that the other kids don't do. It's just in a culture that the teachers don't like getting told off for, like, sucking your teeth and shit like that. So these are the kids. They're not stupid they just don't see any reason to work because no one believes in them and no one's really giving them a chance. So where are they going to get this confidence from that they can go and do anything in the world as long as they study? Like if they had that belief, you see it in sports all the time. You can take someone that is completely unmotivated by life, completely given up on the system. Yeah. And they'll see a hero, whether it be Anthony Joshua, whether it be Raheem Sterling, and that's how you get the next Anthony Joshua and the next Raheem Sterling. The work ethic is there if there's something to inspire it, if there's something to, 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 to kind of nurture it. And the great thing about sports is that it's so accessible. You don't need to be a rich person to watch TV, to watch a an Anthony Joshua fight or to watch Man City play or to watch England play football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. don't think there's any i don't see educational black leaders because you talk about these guys and what are they doing to make these london kids or these kids from these these backgrounds where they're always getting in trouble where they're getting sent home for having their hair too short how are you getting these guys to believe in the school system because they don't i have like in our school what i haven't heard anything from from these from these universities doing anything you know what I mean? So you talk about leadership, but leadership to who? Because if the main group of people that you're trying to inspire aren't even listening to your message, then what are you talking about?
0: Mm. That's
1: true. That's why all these these heads at ACS because it was the same situation with mine. I don't know too much details about the guy, but I know that I, it's just it's just a club, and we could be doing so much more. We could be doing like, um. Yeah, we could just be doing a lot more to outreach to the people that really need to hear the message that they could be. And this is what I mean about why I was saying. I try and keep it real when I'm in university, because the whole message that we should be trying to promote is that you can do this if you want to. But you as in you as a person, the same you that cracks jokes in the back of the class, the same you that likes to get, you know, a one point five on top and a fade on the side, because I don't know, you might be linking a thing on the weekend. Do you get what I mean? You don't have to suddenly sell out who you are because you're a black person in order to be successful. And no one's really I don't see that message on like on the on the mainstream. I don't see. And if it is out there, I definitely don't see it getting heard by the kids that need to hear that message.
0: Mm, It's true. And I feel like of the of the, you know, quote unquote leaders in the black community, you have these companies or organizations, I guess, like SEOs and the rares. They're all very much like, oh, come and be a lawyer, come and be a banker. There's, there's never really, you know, come and be a barbershop guy or like, they all try and push you down this one specific stream of, of their image of success. And even those, you know, industries are very whitewashed, they're very much led by how society deems success to be. And I feel like that's yeah, a,
1: wrong. These a tight do, line to walk. These companies do fantastic work. You talk about Rare, they do fantastic work. Yeah. But yeah, what they absolutely. do is they take, They take people who are nearly there in terms of who are near. They're on the cusp of being able to. Most people that are in rare, you have to apply to get into rare. So these people are already. Yeah, they've already shown evidence that they are ambitious. You know, self-motivated, hard-working people. The large Mm. majority of these people, otherwise they wouldn't get to rare in the first place. So they're doing great work in that respect, but it's still work that's being done on this small minority of people that have already kind of almost figured things out yeah but there's so much untapped talent out there let me tell you a story about my friend uh a mathematician yeah at uh at at my college he was getting he's regularly in trouble he can't remember what school he went to but he comes from east and him and his whole family like his older brothers all running next level of gangs and shit And he's been doing that his entire life. And he's never been motivated to study. He got a B in GCSE in maths. And his teacher told him not to do maths at A level because he wouldn't get a better grade. And for some reason, I don't know what happened. I don't know what this teacher did to him. But it triggered something in his brain to make him start doing nothing but maths. He did the Olympiad next year. He was top 10 in the country. Like, he got invited to the Trinity maths camp. Obviously, he got his A star. And then he got his offer to go do, um, maths at Cambridge. Cambridge. Jeez. Because someone, but I'm saying if that, if no one ever, this happened almost by accident that a teacher sparked in him an anger by saying that you can't do this. Mm. If that never happened, he would still be rolling in gang because no one ever reached out to him to try and actually unlock that talent. And those are the kind of people that aren't being reached, especially black people. They're just not being reached. By the time they get to 16, 17 years old, it's very hard to undo that kind of mistrust of the system and that idea that like school is just pointless. And that, that, those are the key kids that are getting, getting missed out. So Rare and them lot are doing a lot of good work, but I don't see enough work from any kind of organization that's actually going into these schools at these young ages and really trying to inspire these kids that don't have they don't have anyone to back them. Like, they're not in a situation where anyone's giving them any confidence or any belief that they can do anything. So they're just kind of happily going under the bar and they don't really understand the implications of what they're doing either. They're all like, fuck school and like, um, they don't, they can't, they're not really looking at the future. They're not really, they don't see what they can do. You remember our, like St. Mark's? Mm. I remember talking to one of my old teachers about this. You're in a school that doesn't even have a patch grass. You know, it doesn't have a patch of grass on the whole school. We're surrounded mm. by estates in our Mm. school we don't really go on that many school trips you know you're selling this life in terms of saying you can get a stars, you go to university you're selling this lifestyle we don't even know what it is like it's not until i went to singapore we went to singapore that i really understood the benefit of having gone to such a good university so that you can actually get jobs and stuff like that no one tells you that when you're young i'm lucky like we're lucky that we were nerds like we kind of enjoyed the subject and we were kind of good at it. Like I, I loved maths. I loved mm. science. So we were lucky in that respect that you didn't really need to motivate because we just liked it in the same way that someone that likes football is going to play football. You're not really going to have to tell them to practice. They're just going to kick ball whenever they can. So that's the only reason why we were able to do pretty well is because we had this natural liking for the subject. But in terms of motivation, you're trying to tell these kids to work hard one end you're giving them stick for having haircuts they don't know like why should they listen why should they listen to teachers why should they listen to school why should they adhere to the rules no one's telling them why no one's telling them that it's for their benefit so they don't really understand it until it's too late
0: yeah that's that's true as well because it's funny like you you see a lot as well in life but you're never really taught the why in general it's always like oh get a job but you don't really realize that oh you need money to to buy things i mean some things come more intuitively like of well, course money but there's a, there's a real lack of i want to say teaching when it comes to the general understanding especially from the older generation because they kind of interpret like we as teens are you know we're treated like teens we're expected to act like adults and they kind of okay. miss that whole like bridging the gap between being 14 15 16 and then eventually being an adult and it's nuts like even us you're talking about how um we enjoy maths it's kind of peak for those kids who maybe enjoy media for for example, like there's just so much less they can do purely because they like different things, but that's not necessarily a a way to determine how clever they are or how likely they are to be successful
2: mm. it's, yeah, it's, it's weird
0: it's weird what you,
1: what you need what what you need is not about be, liking the right things so that you could go on and make a lot of money you'll you'll be successful in whatever you it's do easy. as long as you have the right sort of attitude mm towards it and i feel like especially with minority students in these in these schools just the attitude that you get is negative because all you get is people hounding you all of the time that's how i feel in the sense of why is it that these kids are always the kids that end up in detention it's not because black kids are just worse That is like, that's just can't be true. That's just not true. So why is it that these kids always end up in the detentions? They're just constantly hounded on for, Mm. you know, joking around. And it's a vicious cycle because they're hounded on. They rebel and they act out against every kind of, you know, form of punishment to the point where they don't even care anymore. So it's just this cycle where they don't, they don't give a shit about getting in trouble because they don't really care about school. So they do dumb shit. They get in trouble. They're getting, you know, the school gives them trouble that pisses them off. So they get in more trouble. You know, the school gives them more detention, you know, and it's just this, this stupid cycle, man, because rather than giving them this negative attitude that, you know, there's no point in doing anything because people are just going to hound you regardless. They should be given, they should be fostering this attitude of you can really do. If you work hard at something, you can achieve fantastic results. And I go back again to sport because I feel like that's why so many young kids find it so easy to get into sport imagine how you must feel you're just like you know you're not really doing anything you, you know there's a lot of people out there especially who come from backgrounds worse than ours where their life's really moving in like circles vicious circles either you're you're mm. you're rolling in these these county you're doing involved in this county lines business or you're coming from these households where you can't really be spending a lot of time at home so you've got to be somewhere mm. and you know imagine the feeling when you're coming out of that life and you go to your first boxing gym and you see the results of your hard work because even if you don't like your coaches, whatever that is, if you put in work, if you if you work hard at boxing for, let's say, a month, you'll see yourself get better at boxing and you'll see yourself get stronger. You can see the rewards of your work mm. in school. You get a grade. Do You get what I mean, and until someone ex- like no one really explains to you what that grade is or what it means. No one ever puts it in context. It's just a grade. So, why care? You don't see any, re- there's no reason to listen or to adhere to the rules or to do anything. Like I said, your reward for good behavior is more school, which a lot of these kids don't like mm. because they don't like these, te- they don't respect these teachers that constantly hound on them and for good reason. And, um, you know, a grade and a grade to your 14 year old brain just doesn't mean anything whatsoever. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, how are you supposed to foster a good work ethic when your work ethic isn't rewarded?
0: Hmm. Mm. I think it's nuts as well, because, like, when you look at it in the terms of the big picture, like, your grade is very, it's subjective, really. It's especially, I mean, for maths, of course, I like, guess either right or wrong. But let's say English, I remember writing a story, it must have been, like, year nine.
1: you just suck at English, before you even get like you just suck at English, like (laughs) like, just just don't just don't get it i know you have these delusions delusions of grandeur but no whatever story that you're about to tell i think the main conclusion of it is that you sucked at writing stories
0: never man i got an i got an a in the end okay i think mine was a lot more specific to obviously my experience as like as an individual i remember my teacher was saying stuff like um you're not using enough metaphors not using enough this and that and that but when you like a lot of my, mo- not motivation, I guess my interest in terms of like the English language or being creative comes from music. Most listen to rap, you know, R&B, thinking about like double entendre and things like that from different music artists. I don't really care about Shakespeare. I don't really find poems relevant to my life or the way I do things. And I feel like, I mean, it's it's kind of, it's a mad general- generalization to say that black people are a lot more interested in rap compared to white people. It's kind of wild well to say, but even statistically looking at it, the way schools are taught is very much taught for one demographic. And then I feel like, yeah, definitely. Because it's all, I mean, like you get your GCSEs, that's kind of getting you into A-levels, it's kind of gets you into uni then onwards. But that lifestyle, that career path has very much been set by like this, the way, I guess like, you know how networking becomes such a big, like a big important thing throughout, I guess, later parts in life. You don't yeah. really have access to that network, to that, you know, the way of, that way of doing things unless you come from a certain background. Yeah. I, okay. I guess it's, I'm kind of blurring the is, lines a bit between yeah, that's, classes
1: that's more about, that. that's more about classes than it is about demographic. When you're talking about demographic, you're, you're talking about, you know, races and face and stuff. So you know, yeah, how, how, it, how it's all catered to, to a single demographic.
0: Cause at least in my opinion, there's a strong correlation between class and race. Especially when it comes to things like network, like a lot of our parents, well, I guess it's different for me, but especially your parents, they weren't born here. So they don't really have the extensive network of people over the years that can support you. Or they haven't really got the same... Like, yeah, I doubt parents would have learned about Shakespeare in their schools. And it's those yeah, sorts of things, and um... you can't really get that when you go home.
2: So you're saying the fact that
1: um schools teach, like, what, British things?
0: No, it's not about what they teach per se, but it's the way... At least in my opinion, the way it's taught to you is very much uh specific for certain demographics. But well,
2: be specific.
0: It. What do you mean? How do I word this? I guess yeah, let's go like the Shakespeare example, for example.
2: Yeah.
0: And like the things that are taught in schools. Like schools kind of assume that I mean with homework, a lot of the work you're gonna do is independent. Obviously not as much as university, but you are supposed to do stuff at home. And at least in my experience, a lot of the, you know, a lot of ethnic students, they don't really have like people whose parents weren't born here, for example, or didn't go through the British schooling system. It's almost impossible for them to go and teach their kids things that they don't even know about themselves. Whereas if you're white yeah. and you have your whole background heritage in this country, or even if you're coloured and your parents are born here as well, you kind of have a big advantage there because you can get support from at home. Uh,
1: you nah, man, the stats say differently. Like the stats on like, um like the average level of achievement of school kids and people getting into university because I've seen this argument before, I can't remember where I saw it but there was this woman online, she got like trashed on the internet, social media, all this, because she went on the news and started, she she went on this whole thing about how, you know British society is inherently racist and it's reflected in the education system and the guy, <laughs> okay. the guy that was interviewing her just gave gave her back these stats that it was like, um, the the base. Basically, the most discriminated against when it comes to education, like secondary school education and sixth form education, the most discriminated against group of people are actually white males.
0: Mad in what regard though?
1: Oh, I can't remember the specific thing, man. I'm not. I'm not the guy. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> but you, you can look it up for yourself. I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll send you. A, I'll send you a link sometime if I if I ever find it. But
0: yeah, I'll take a look after. I, but,
1: no, but there's like the, you could you could look it up and like. I get what you're trying to say, but...
0: It's interesting though.
1: I think it's a, I think it's a feeling that's not backed up in evidence.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I understand that. I guess I gotta look into it a bit more. But oh. I do think though, like, how you're talking about, you know, being punished for, like, a lot of the black students are in detention and stuff like that. I think it's nuts yeah. how... You're not really rewarded in school, other than by, of course, grades in the end. But between, like, September and May, you don't really get any reward for being a good student other than, like, nothing. But you get punished if you misbehave. It's interesting, like, a lot of people I speak to, especially, like, black kids, a lot of our motivations come from a bad place where you, like, don't want to be a certain thing. Or similar to your story where your friend, the mask guy, you have that one person who says you can never do it and you kind of overcome that challenge. Whereas a lot of yeah. my white friends, like, oh, I've always been supported and noticed from day one. You're always kind of put on that pedestal to, you know, you're given the resources to eventually get there. I think yeah, I mean, it's an interesting yeah. dynamic, I feel like. I mean, I can't prove it on a, on a general scale, of course, but in my experience, it's always like, you know, we're always running away from something, whereas our kids are always running towards something.
2: <sighs> I don't know. I'm just trying to think back to people in our year now. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think back to people that I know. And I think... I think...
1: Uh, it's, it's hard to describe. It's like you would. It was so easy to get in trouble for something that you you thought was just a funny thing to do. And I feel like I don't. I, like I think like in our year with, with the black kids, just like
2: they were just a bit more
1: disruptive. Is not the right word like it was school was something that was social first and academic second they didn't have the fear i feel mm-hmm. like they were kids yeah. i still remember that kid who was in year 9 when he got his first detention and saw him crying outside the head teacher's <laughs> office <laughs> you know what i mean
0: yeah i remember that i remember that
1: if you if you come from if you come from if you if you have if you come from a background where you have fears about like someone jumping you or not being able to pay a bill mm. or like being in debt or like your parents not working or your parents fighting or like some real stuff going on, Yeah, you know? mm. what? how are you going to, how are you going to have any response to someone saying, hand this in, or, you know, you're going to have to spend an hour after school or, you know, worst things, worse, i will call your parents. These yeah, people just don't yeah, yeah. care. You, can't, you know, that's not going to work on someone that has real danger in their life. That's not mm. going to motivate at all. It's not going to. It's not going to elicit any reaction from them whatsoever because there's no fear. Whereas from another person, like I said, from these other people calling someone's parents might mean that their, you know, their Xbox and their PS4 and their, you know, everything, all their toys get taken away for a while, and yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. the worst thing what in the toys? world. So, you know, yeah, they really <laughs> want to get a detention. Like I say, yeah, basically you're in a situation where these kids don't have toys that you can take away, so mm. you're threatening them with nothing. They have real fears, so rather than threatening them, I remember um, we had a, you know, um uh, form tutor, Miss Longhead. You know, he just loves to shout at people.
2: <laughs> yep. Especially yeah. Me.
1: He didn't he he didn't shout at me. He didn't shout at me. And the one time I asked him about it, he was just like, "Cause it's it's just not gonna work. You're just not gonna listen. If I just shout, you don't have that. Like he he didn't say you don't have the fear, but he was just like, if I shout at you, you're not gonna listen." And you're like reasonable enough that I can have a conversation with you. So I'm just going to, if you do something wrong, I'm just going to tell you what you did wrong. Like you're smart enough to to figure it out. You don't need to be shouted at. It's the same thing. What is the point of shouting at these kids? And there's not, that was our teacher was, he was a very, very good teacher. Not many teachers would be willing to put in that effort to go the extra mile to actually reach these kids. That's what I'm saying. The very Mm. easy slapdash thing to do, kid misbehaves, give him a detention. Then it's someone else's problem. True. You know, Teach you mm. have to think about it. On one hand, a teacher's job is to nurture these kids, teach them. On the other hand, a job is something where you, you're employed from nine yeah, to four kids p- get paid, don't it. nine AM to four PM. And you know, there is what it is. The, you know the teachers that they come in, they have a presentation on a on a on a PowerPoint, they flip through the slides, they or they tell people to read from the book, it gets yeah, four, 4 PM and they go home. You know. So those mm. kids don't those teachers don't really give a toss about um Actually reaching these kids. So all you end up doing is you end up shouting at these kids that don't fear you because they have real danger going on and they don't respect you because they've never, you've never reached out to try and gain their respect. So you're basically just shouting hot air. And that's what happens. You have this system where kids become totally unresponsive. And the re, I think the reason why that is, the reason why you said you have might have a demographic where they respond really well to being being well nurtured and stuff like that and the other ones don't. It's because I feel like one side, I feel like the, the better off people, they have that fear of, of school, of, of things going wrong in the school. Whereas mm. for someone else, there might be so many other things that are going wrong that school going wrong is really, the, you know, the least of your worries. So you just don't really care. You're, you see, you see school as an outlet where you come and see your friends and you try and have a good time.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: You know I mean? So. Yeah. That's, that's, that's probably an explanation for why that happens. But then again, like I said, just to stress, we are two idiots. (laughs) Uh, 95% of what we say comes from absolutely no context whatsoever. If you hear what we say about girls, it will take like, it will take two people to just come in and explain, it will take them two minutes to break down all of our arguments and and like, like chatting shit. <laughs> probably same with this education stuff as well. You might just have like a year eight black kid out there who's gonna ex- give who could give you like the full lockdown on what's going on with the education, in and like we're just chatting, we're chatting nonsense. Like I, I said, we're not here, to, podcast, we're here to educate you to an excellent standard. Like we we will get you to a C. <laughs> in terms of what's going on in the world, we'll get you to a C, maybe a C plus if you revise hard, but we'll get you to a C plus knowledge of, of what's going on. <laughs>
0: The views shared by Michael Harvey are not. <laughs> Mad. Nah, I feel like I mean, as much as I enjoy going on about school for for ten hours, I f- I was gonna say like, do you not feel like you and yourself like being someone who stayed true to yourself and went through uni like Cambridge, one of the best unis in the country, like, do you not feel some sort of responsibility then to to go and mentor the next generation?
2: Um. I think like responsibility is the wrong word. Well, at least like a an influence, I guess. I do. You could, you
0: could argue like having knowing what we know, you know, given a disclaimer, of course. It's kind of, I guess, yeah. Responsibility is not the right word, but you kind of owe something,
1: surely. I do. I uh, do try, and I feel like it is important, especially for, I feel like, um, and this is just me and my views, like, this is definitely the area where you should give your disclaimer. But, um, my personal view is that in this country, there is a lack of black community. In oh, the sense yeah. of community mm-hmm. being, like, li- like, mm-hmm. looking out for one another normally happens from a situation where you're all kind of living together. Yeah, living yeah. in the same area, similar area. And you know what I was saying about ACS? You know how I was saying I have nothing in common being a British-born person with Trinidadian parents? I have nothing in common with someone who was born in Nigeria, raised in Nigeria, and came over to the UK at a later date? Yep. So naturally, because one, there's not that many black people in this country, and two, because the the backgrounds of all of these black people are so diverse, there is Mm. such a lack of community. And the reason why I think helping out is it should be a good thing is because someone needs to build that community at some point, yeah, yeah, yeah. even yeah, on I the agree. world stage, you can see that like every kind of uh ethnic group has uh a country where they really kind of like believed in themselves and um got together and had this kind of collective view of a community raising the community rather than the selfish view of like a few people selling out everyone else to try and get power if you Mm -hmm. look at what's happened the the reason why china is what it is instead of being this poor country with a very rich you know government is because of that collective community spirit that everyone this is a nation that we're trying to raise Do you know i mean it's not just no like i'm not saying that it's there's no corruption but i'm saying that there's this general view that We want to all help each other. We want to build ourselves up. And in the black community in the UK, we don't really have that. We don't really have this this system. This is why Rare is such a fantastic thing, because Rare is really the only example of that kind of network where it's like, you know, I came through this, I came through this, and I'm going to look out for you. And it's Mm. good, but like I said, it's limited to the people that are already kind of on their way themselves. Then then these the pe- people in my position should definitely be putting in work to try and reach reach out to these people in terms of how best to do it i have no idea but it's definitely mm-hmm. something that everyone should be putting a conscious effort into if one day you want to see a community you know in this country cuz there we there's not one at the moment and there won't be one unless someone builds it from scratch
0: yeah definitely I would say the best way to reach out to all those people in a authentic way has got to be a podcast, right? (laughs) (laughs) But it's funny, I was having a similar chat.
1: Sell out, bastard. (laughs) Use this guy.
0: Yeah, my credit card deal is in the description below. (laughs) But I was having a similar chat the other day with someone, and I think, at least in my experience, the biggest disadvantage we have as a black community is lack of language in terms Mm -hmm. of, like, when i see um that like my my asian friends for example i go to the kebab shop wherever they talk to the you know the guy who runs it and they, they all speak punjabi together or you know the yeah. turkish guys speak to boss man in a kebab shop or whatever and obviously i'm kind of stereotyping but generally speaking we have a you know they have that that connection you kind of know your people just by talking to them mm. i feel like in the black community like i think once one sticking point is people always assume blacks are all the same like African and Caribbean, you see it a lot on ACS. All my Nigerian and Ghanaian friends, is like, I don't know anything about what they're talking about. As a Caribbean, as someone who identifies as Caribbean, I don't really, I don't understand half of the stuff that they talk about in the African households and stuff. But I'm still Mm -hmm. expected to, you know, to be an active member of the same community of them. Which in some capacity, I don't really mind, because obviously we do have a lot in common. But there are so many different faucets of, you know, uh jamaican black people nigeria and ghanaian that it's hard to have that one big overarching community it's like saying all asians to be together like that's not the case you have you know chinese orientals you have indians pakistanis and stuff it's nuts how like i do think it's tight but then i agree with you how we don't really have that sense of community like i I feel bad sometimes you know walking down the streets like i'll see this one other black guy in brazil we talk about about a a real
1: issue Real issue, speaking of the lack of community, this directly ties in. I'll speak to my barb about this the other day. What is with the things in this, in this country? Like I said, with this black excellence thing, you guys need to be a lot more, um, nasty. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just very tired of the black excellence. Very
2: tired of it. I'm tired of, of like
0: external pressure or what?
1: Nah, I'm just tired of this image. I'm just tired of being this this fake image of people going around, and it's almost like this this judgmental thing. It separates people. So you either have this black excellence image, or you have this road image, and like,
2: mm. you know,
1: I go Trinidad, yeah. And I think about Trinidad. I have a cousin here. Yeah. I have two cousins. One of them's just like your traditional, cool, smart, like you know Trinidad John. He's just this superhero kind of character. Like everybody loves him. But mm. I have another one called Jerome. This guy mm. spends hours. When I last saw him years ago, all he would do his pick his screensaver was something of Naruto. All he would do is watch anime all day. Yeah. Mm. But he wasn't. He was still relatable. He would still go out with his brother. He would go out with me and go out with the boys. He still did his thing. He still had girls and thing. He would still go out. He was still a normal guy. But he was. He wasn't this image. Do you get what I mean? He was yeah. a nerd. He didn't just agree with everything everyone said. If we were having a, he's the kind of person where if he was in a circle and ten people were saying about how much they loved power, he would say I've never seen it. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> because, hmm. because he doesn't have to adhere to an image. When you're in a country where the majority of people are black, you have the freedom to kind of have your own personality because you're not your community is the entire country. So you don't have to, you don't have to try and try very hard to reach out to people like you, and to try and make these friends, you can, it's, I guess, there's more people, so there's less of a competitive environment, with this black excellence nonsense, man, there is just too much pressure, there is too much, like, pressure on looking a certain way, and behaving a certain way, man, I'm tired of seeing these people, and you know who you are, I'm tired of seeing these people with these, with, like, They'll be having like um. oh, What are these brands? Give me, give me, give me some good brands like a uh, Birkin, like uh like off white, like all this the stuff. They'll no, have all these garms, yeah. But it's like I know where you live. Why are you trying to live <laughs> this? do? You know what I mean, you come from a yeah, house, yeah,
0: yeah. I know what you mean.
1: And you're trying to live this life. You know what? Is it? Is you're either going for the black excellence, or you're going to live like this trap culture, and there's just no. In the middle and it just annoys me because there's, 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 there's not enough, there's not enough, um, individualism out there.
2: Hmm.
1: That means everyone just behaves, you have like two personality types out there and it's just, it's frustrating. For me, I don't, I feel like I've never had that pressure because I was like the ADHD kid from, since like day. And I feel mm-hmm. like that, that presides over any race in terms of, because it's, it's like a smaller group of people. So, if you're, yeah, being, having ADHD and being black, I've, like, I'm ADHD first and black second. So mm. I, I kind of had the freedom to be able to, to do my own thing because black people find me weird anyway. So like, there's no, there, I, I can't really cater to that group, but you can, you can see it. I remember I was in a, I was in a meeting once. It was an ACS thing. They were talking about power and like, they asked me, everyone asked what their favorite show was. Everyone, everyone said power. I said Tom and Jerry and they looked at me like I was nuts. <laughs> I mean, you tell you get a group of fifteen white people here, yeah, put them in a room and ask them what their favorite show is. Do you think all fifteen of them are gonna say the same thing? Fifteen no, random true. white people, and they all say the same thing? Are you crazy? Some of them are gonna say peep show, some of them are gonna say like um I don't know, that's pretty much it actually. They they they'd all agree on peep show. <laughs> 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 Okay, so that point doesn't. Okay, forget that point. <laughs> no, but the point is I'm just I'm, uh, I don't like the um I don't like this set in stone culture that you're either road or you're you're this this you're adhering to this black excellence lifestyle like I actually like physically try my hardest to try and do the opposite of what both those types of people would do. Just, not even like, just, just to make a point that you can. That like, you can be a person, you can be a successful person, you can go Cambridge, you can do all this stuff, and you can, be, you don't have to look like this to be able to do it. You can actually be retarded as hell, and still do it. It doesn't make a difference. These aren't prerequisites. You don't have to dress up like this. You can if you want to, but it's not a prerequisite to say your success, or your social circle, or anything like that. I hang out with all these types of people from all types of cultures, all types of race, all types of demographics. You know, I'll go out, I'll meet you at a club in pajamas, like because you can. <laughs> you, don't, yeah, you, don't have to, you don't have to be in the circle. You don't have to do it if you don't want to do it. And there's not enough of that individualism in the black community in this country anyway. You definitely mm-hmm. see it. You definitely see it. I think in large black communities. When I was talking to my to my barber, he uh, went to university in Miami. Uh He was he always talks about the life out there and how different it is to out here. And I've definitely seen it in Trinidad. It is so different in Trinidad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. but you know whatever
0: it is what is I guess it's a it's a tight line because I feel like people conflate you know having community and having individualism within that it's always like to be you know black and excellent you have to be specifically black and excellent in these particular things and you kind of conflate the whole argument that you can be an individual and still be excellent or even just like black it's not I don't understand the whole excellent thing like why you gotta be great all the time you know
1: it's it's like it's like an ingrained negative attitude of mm. yourself and it's like black excellence is basically like proving everyone wrong i guess i think it's like proving that black people can do all of this stuff and black people are uh, you know are so great but mm-hmm. i don't think any i don't think anyone i don't think that like i don't think that's the way to do it i don't think by if you want to prove to people that you're that you know in terms of this black excellence movement, if you're trying to prove to people that you belong to be in the same social circles as all of these other people, you should do what they do. And do you know what they do? Whatever the hell they want to do. Do you know what I mean? That's Mm. that's what, if you want to talk about real excellence or what real power is, it's the ability to, you know, be a lawyer, be a doctor, be all of these things and still behave however you want to behave. It's not a choice of like, you don't see that in the white community. It's like, well, if you if you're a lawyer, you know, you have to dress a certain way, you got a ta- you got like, these tatted up, you could have a, a lecturer who's got face tats who's white, they'll get away with it. But anyway, we should really, if if we should really be talking, I, I can't believe we haven't spent more time talking about how people are going to deal with being in their room for a year, I feel like that's, that is that not like on your mind? Do you not think about how what are you going to do because you must have had plans before this happened. I remember I had plans. I was gonna, I was gonna take this chick, I was gonna take this chick to the Lake District. I had plans. <laughs> I, I, I found, I found the, 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 the Airbnb. It was gonna be sweet. That was gonna be the, the summer. That was gonna be the start of summer. I had plans for the Easter holidays. You know, my exams ended in April. End of April. And I had all of I was gonna go to Trinidad in August. You know, I, I've definitely been thinking for a while now, how am I going to deal with being, the the very real possibility of being in my room for the entire summer? Yeah, that's mad. I and the lie. responsibility as well. Even if you had the opportunity to go out, would you? I went out to play basketball the other day. Everyone that came out was so guilty about the fact that they were coming out, and they basically all promised, including myself, not to come out again for, like, the significant future.
0: Yeah, you're breaking lockdown rules, man. Yeah. <laughs> i don't know i feel like the the main well my main grievance i guess with, with having to be locked down is that i haven't got a choice like i like being a, i mean i'm usually a, an introvert anyway i don't really go out much as no a, but like
1: what have you been exams?
0: my exams are next month Two months from now
1: okay so when your exams are done what are you mm. gonna do like when i say what you're gonna do i don't mean like the long-term plan i mean like Let's say a week after your exam, you you wake up. Yeah, you just wake up. I don't know what time you wake up, but you wake up. What does your day look like? You're gonna be at home. That's the
0: one. You mean in this in this uh environment or typical?
1: Well, wherever you're gonna be when exams finish, because you're you're probably not gonna be staying in, uh, where you are. You're gonna come back to to ends, isn't it?
0: Oh yeah, I'll be home. That's what I'm soon. saying. So so April. that
1: means you you waking up. In your own, in your own bed, when there's no exams, what's that day gonna be like? Do you know?
0: I wish I knew, man.
1: That's what I mean. I feel like a lot of people are trying to figure this out, because I'm telling you now, like, Instagram's not gonna cut it. and I've had enough friends messaging me, already talking about how they're losing their minds.
0: Hmm. I don't really, <laughs> I mean, I'm annoyed at the bigger picture, but in terms of short term, I don't really care. <laughs> like, I'm, There's things to do at at any given time, at least in my life. Okay, but that's
1: what I mean. So tell me about the date. If there's things to do,
0: then tell me about the date. Let's say June 20th, last day of my exams.
1: Yeah. I'll be at home.
0: I'll probably do some YouTube stuff, some podcast stuff. I'm trying to learn how to code. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. YouTube stuff, podcast stuff. How long does, how long does that take?
0: Uh, probably like maybe an hour and a half, two hours per task. That's how I block out my time. So that's about. That's a six hour day between learning how to code podcast and then YouTube um and then after that I'm gonna play some video games that's a that's a day for me
1: <laughs> I know but what about the? this is the problem what about the next day Because what I find I can't see and I, maybe this is just me being salty because I don't have a console. I was stupid enough to sell my console before I went to university mm. but I don't see how like I, my little sister's playing sims at the moment. I can't see how that's going to keep her entertained like day after day. Cause what happened with me as this thing started is that I had a game that I was playing. I had things that I would do to pass the time. I would watch films. I would listen to new music and stuff like that. It got to the point where I couldn't even do any of those things. None of those things entertained me because it's like, you realize that you're doing it because you're bored, not because you want to. And then once you, once you start doing things out of boredom instead of out of like, so let's say you're playing your, your, your console. Once you start playing games out of boredom instead of out of enjoyment, that's when it's going to start sapping at your energy and you're going to stop wanting to do it.
0: Oh yeah, no, I know what you mean.
1: Because like I said, there's a massive difference between doing something in the day and then you come back to your house or whatever and you've just been dying to play this game and you do it and then just sitting there and being like, I'm it will get to the point where you can't even pick up the controller. Trust me. If it doesn't happen after a couple of days, or it doesn't happen after a week, I remember lockdown is going to happen for a long time. Are you really telling me that that lifestyle of let's say you weren't doing the learning, coding, and the YouTube stuff? Let's say you had literally had nothing but your your family members and your console. Mm. You're saying that that lifestyle could sustain the summer?
0: I don't know, man. I mean, I want to be optimistic and say yeah, but it's, I mean, I I could never say that. I don't even know if I'm going to live that long.
1: So what <laughs> advice would you give to people, man? Cause people uh, out here, this is what I'm saying. This, we should be talking yeah. about the relevant thing because people out here are struggling. So what would you yeah, tell yeah, to yeah. people?
0: For me, it's tough because I don't, I'm, I didn't have to adapt to solve this. Like I clocked, must have been about three years ago, that the best thing I can do to grow as an individual would be to improve communication between past, present and future selves. So I've always been taking notes like play guitar, learn to code learn new language and i've got an extensive list somewhere of like hundreds of hundreds of different things i want to do so even yep. now let's say let's say i literally couldn't leave my room for two years i would still only be like halfway through that list and I, I would find a way to stay entertained i feel like for some people that never really took that step they don't really know what to do
1: would you stay happy though
0: i mean it's, it's hard to say i i think i would be and at least I guess it's different because I've got a long term view. I don't really care about what happens this year, next year, the year afterwards. At some point in the time I wanna buy Arsenal and like everything I do between now and then as in my perspective's gotta put me towards that goal. So be yeah. that like selling more things on eBay, that means now I know I'm like two pounds closer to buying the club and it's like in the long run I know it's gonna be worthwhile. Mm. I think the best advice I could give, if anything, would be to think about the long term, you know? Like people are gonna come out of quarantine with exactly the same this could be the time to learn a new skill uh figure out how you're going to do your business start a new company like i don't know there's so many opportunities now that it's like if you can't i was saying the other day as well to my friend like a lot of people complain they haven't really got the time or the resources to do things but Mm. if you can't even do things now while you do have the time that goes to show that you lack discipline and not time and Mm. i don't know it's a time for personal growth i see it and if you already are personally grown like i don't know big games.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like...
0: There's just too much uncertainty, it's hard to to know.
1: I feel like people need to stop um, making plans for when it's done. Mm. Because it's Mm. not going to be done for a while. I feel like a lot of people, like, something I did early on was I kept myself like motivated by making plans about what I was going to do when this is all done, the holiday I would go on, the celebrations we would have. like And that's what a lot of friends told me, like the, the like the night out they're going to have when the lockdown, that's probably something that a lot of people are saying right now. Like they talk about the nights out that they're going to have when the lockdown gets released, the Mm -hmm. friends that they're going to see and all that kind of stuff. I feel like we need to forget about that for a while. We need to adjust to the new normal.
0: Definitely. Yeah. The new
1: normal is this. The new normal is that you are in your house and you've got you've somehow got to make that work and when I say make it work I mean if you abandon structure yeah I was reading this thing today about how there's like a lot of people in the country are complaining about grogginess where they're waking up at random times they're going to bed at random times their sleep schedule is completely messed up and it's because they're not no one's working anymore do you know what i mean yeah. and no one's going outside anymore and that in itself like the exposure to sunlight will affect your ability to sleep and stuff but no one's if you're not going outside and don't get me wrong i'm not like the the news out here telling you to go out into your massive luxurious back garden and to go and have a play with your kids <laughs> i know there are people out there living in in flats and apartments in estates that don't even have a garden and yep, you they, a room, they right? have to as well. i know people that are sharing rooms you know these people have to isolate. I know pe- I know, a guy that came down with a fever, yeah, and his mum has just c- come out of, like, being critically ill. He can't right. even get tested to know if he has v- the virus, and he yeah. has someone who's, like, a very high-risk person yeah, yeah, just living in the house, and all he can do is stay in his room. Mm. What I mean is, in that kind of situation, if you start telling yourself about the 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 holidays you're going to go on and the friends that you're going to speak to and all of that stuff that might work for a while, but eventually you're going to succumb to waking up at random times, going to bed at random times. And that's when you're going to start to break because you're, you're not behaving like a human. You're not behaving normally anymore. You're behaving yeah. like you, you like all the structure has been taken out of your life. So all you're doing is surviving. And that's, it's just going to, that's when you're going to see people start to like break mentally. So in terms of what people, I think people need to do, people need to, adjust to the new normal by putting a structure into it you have to if there's no structure there you have to make one like you have no to, that's
0: true that's, that's you, true. Have
1: to have to, you have to have an excuse to get up at a certain time and to go to bed at a certain time you have to have an excuse to exercise you have to have an excuse to do all of these things mm. like i you would talk about learning new skills i've done i'm trying to do this with a language i'm trying to like now that my exams are basically cancelled. I'm trying to do the same kind of thing I was doing with my revision, which is waking up at the same time, doing a block set, like work kind of working like nine to five. So working, having an hour for lunch and then getting back to work, doing that, but doing it with learning a language instead of revising for exams, just so I have a reason to get up in the morning at a good time, go to bed at a good time, you know, and there's time to do stuff around the house. There's time to exercise and stuff like that. If you lose that, if you are literally just watching TV and gaming whenever, you will start to spiral because it's going to hit your sleep first. Maybe it will hit your diet, stuff like that. And it will start, it will get to the point where you just transform into this like housebound zombie. Mm. And that's why that's basically what I was saying before, when I was saying, if you just had your family members and your console, would you, would you mentally be able to hack it? Because if that's all you've got, what's to stop you from waking up? what's the stop you from spending all day in bed and getting out of bed at like 4pm having breakfast at 4pm you know um, and just living that kind of lifestyle which will like physically drain you
0: yeah yeah. I know what you mean I think I'm lucky enough to have stuff to do
1: but if you don't people need a reason not to fall into that trap mm. and that's just for people our age man like there's so many social problems being caused by this stuff you've seen the spike in domestic violence Yep. God, this it's, is a that's, dark
0: that's kind of a test, <laughs> For two
1: guys I just really a for two guys here yeah, that supposedly had all of these school adventures and lived this mad life. This has been a dark podcast. All we talk about is the black <laughs> community, the black community is is shit, basically. That's the conclusion. So we come to the conclusion that the black community is shit. Um then we start talking about how the, the virus is so peak and how um yeah, like people need to hear jokes.
0: So I went for the list of questions that I had planned for this. Go on. It was like, why does life suck? Life sucks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, people, people need to be uplifted with at least, I mean, I know most of this stuff's gonna go in there, it has to go in for the podcast, but I feel like people need to be uplifted with at least one truly tremendous story. Old. Old. So, I'm thinking of what to say. I, I don't mind taking one for the team and telling Telling one of my um, horrific stories. We could even get into. We could get into February. We can get into A B C D. Oh, we get into, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could get into. I'm the only one with a girlfriend. Um, I feel like yeah. So if you really want to, the, the public in this desperate time, man, it's almost like our duty to let the people know about
0: this. <laughs> I want to I want to start with Singapore because that falling out the window story is. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know because it's recent or just an all time classic, but.
1: (laughs) It's just it's the reason why you should do. uh, it's, It's this is what happens when you've never been able to get girls. <laughs> and suddenly you can get girls and you don't know what to do with this newfound knowledge. So you go crazy. So Singapore, yeah. I got, um, Tinder for the first, for the first time when I was mm. on this holiday. And it was only because you and Brendan, you got it and then it, you were successful on it. And then you and Brendan were like, like basically made the account for me. And this is like halfway through the holiday. I got super liked by this. Um, I don't even know what to describe her ethnicity as. Uh, <laughs> brown, I guess. Brownish.
0: <laughs> well, she she was Malay, right? Huh? Wasn't she Malay? Like Malaysian?
1: Uh, I don't know. She said she was from Singapore. Like, I don't know what that means. Oh,
0: but she, she was, kind of,
1: maybe she was Malay. She didn't, may, maybe, I don't know. But she was brown. And she was crazy. Like legitimately insane, right? I could just tell this from the messaging. It, it's it's fine though. It's that kind of like that edgy insane. Like she she had tats. Um, what'd you call it? She was like all of her pictures were like um, clearly it, it wasn't. It's like not that they don't look good. Like do it, you know what I'm talking about? When they, you're still putting in effort to look good, but yeah, you're also putting in edgy fashion. Edgy it's not it. to look good where it's like you in a dress. At prom or something like that. It's mm. like you sitting in a, um, uh, a shopping trolley out on the road, but like mm, somehow it's you still that you still look good. Do you know what I mean?
2: Mm.
1: I so she was looking like that and her, <clears throat> the way she was speaking was, uh, I can't remember it. She was forward. I didn't really know what I was doing. She basically set up the whole thing. I meet this girl, tell her to meet us by, by like a park that's by this hostel Yeah, I go there. I'm very meticulous with these things. I like to plan out things in my in my head in terms of how they'll go, like a million times over. Then I decide on the best one and I do that thing. And then like normally within the first five minutes, it's like the plan that goes to hell. So <laughs> I had plan that she, I was going to come. I was going to get her immediately by just being the coolest guy she's ever met, by giving no fucks. Be, she was going to meet me and we were just going to, I was going to change plans. Like we had this plan to go somewhere. I was going to change plans um like instantly yeah and i was gonna do this do this other thing that didn't happen she Mm -hmm. she found me lying down listening to music in this park oh i'm i'm doing a gareth man i'm talking i'm doing all of these like
0: 28
1: degrees outside listen all right so we we met up by the hostel We took the train to this place called Orchard. We walked up to this viewpoint, which was just a parking. It wasn't really a viewpoint. She told me it was a spot, but it was just a car park, like an open car park. It didn't, it was on a hill, but it wasn't a hill that had a view. Like we were basically on the top of another house and we, we were having, and she was just telling me the wildest life stories, man, the absolute wildest life stories. She told me that she had a group of friends. She, she told me, she had told, okay, let me tell, let me get, let me get the details straight. She told me she had just come out of Penn, cause her and her ex-boyfriend, who was a dealer, got caught shotting in Singapore, where like, you get the death penalty for smuggling. Like, <laughs> what I mean by nuts. So she was in yeah. Penn for six months, and she has to have, she, she has to have a, an a, electronic ankle tag for a year. And I thought she was joking until she pulled up her trouser leg and I saw the electronic tag. And then I was just like, me being me, I just, I just rolled with it, man. That's, that's just, if anything, that's cool to me. I was, I was like, that's what I'm looking for. I'm <laughs> not looking for any like two-bit Sally Sophie boring ass ting. Like if, if anything, it's my, I was, I would have left if she didn't have an ankle tag. <laughs> <laughs> She was telling me about how her 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 old friends um before she went in pen they would meet up all the time and they would just get absolutely waved they had a day called lean friday mm. it was a known thing I've never heard it's it's incredible lean Fridays like every Friday they would meet up and just have copious amounts of Lean. I remember hearing about it I remember thinking it was the greatest thing that I've ever heard in my life. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> in a situation where you just have this yard, where you and all your mates go every Friday, and it's so common that you, you and all your mates just go and have this ridiculous amount of lean. You just call it Lean Fridays, and it just sticks. The sickest thing. Remember like two for one Wednesdays.
0: <laughs> 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 the view said by Michael Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then she was telling me about, um, what do you call it, this, this, uh, she had this,
1: oh no, she was just telling lots and lots of crazy stories, right? Then we went to go see, uh, what was it? What's that film, that Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Um, that's the one. Yeah, we went to go yeah. to see it, uh, nothing really special happened, like just your typical kind of like date cinema stuff, like we were walking around, um Oh, we, we, we were getting pretty, like, by the time we got to the, to the cinema, we were pretty drunk. We were drinking Anchor Beer, which by the way, greatest beer, like it's like 8%. It tastes fantastic. Yeah. You have one and you're tipsy. You have two and you're gone. And like, I've never been like a pub guy. I've never been a big drinker, but this beer was just amazing. It gets the job done. <laughs> we had had we had had like three of these beers going into the film and by the end of the day we had like at least ten each. Um but yeah, film was normal. We went to go meet a friend of hers out outside the film. Then we met more friends of hers. We ended up chilling by the skate park with her and a bunch of her friends just doing nonsense. It was getting late and they all had to go back to separate places because they all have um it wasn't really getting late, it was like evening time, it was like six o'clock, but they all have ankle tags, so they all have to be back by curfew. Is nonsense. Yeah. And, um, yeah. <laughs> One of the friends had to go to an AA meeting because her dad was making her go to an AA meeting, Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he didn't explain to me why. It's not like she did anything. Apparently, her, like, it was something to do with a boyfriend of hers or something, and her dad just got really paranoid and was like, all right, from now on, you have to come to these AA meetings with me. And apparently, apparently the place that the AA meeting was was close enough to this girl's house that she could be there, and... And it not like break the curfew.
2: Mm.
1: So she asked me if I wanted to come down to an AA meeting and I was like, of course, like <laughs> I'd be offended. Like...
0: <laughs> Free therapy, man. That's, that's the way.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was so waved at this point. Like, and I was determined as well. You have to remember this is the first girl from the holiday. I was, I was determined. Like the date was going well. Like the cinema was fun. Everything up to this point was very fun. Everything was very cute and all of this stuff. I was determined, determined to get yeah, this one. To invest I'm all like, that time into it? Trust me. So this this was <laughs> a war of Tuesdays. attrition. <laughs> <laughs> this was a war of attrition, man. And I was ready to go the entire the entire distance. So I went to this AA meeting. Yeah, one of the friends had to leave. The other group. We all went to this church where they were having this AA meeting. Mm. Oh yeah, on the way there, he nearly got in a scuffle on the on the underground because they were just screaming at each other, all drunk as hell, screaming at each other and just bouncing around. And then the girl like flew back at some point. I can't remember if someone pushed her or something, probably me. But she bumped into this guy. She bumped into this guy, and this is Singapore, right? Everyone's like, this is different to the UK, you know? Like, everyone's looking... There's a senior. Yeah, everyone's looking down in their shoes. Everyone's like, bear, bear, nervous.
2: Yep.
1: And the guy finally musters up the courage and says in, like, the most stuttery, stuttery voice, like, you need to control yourself. And we all died. Like, there was a group of about four of us. We just died. The way he said it, <laughs> we just... Died, and then we just started screaming at each other, you need to control yourself, like, <laughs> the entire, the entire train journey. <laughs> we got off, we ran out of the station, we go to the AA meeting, they separate the guys and the girls. <laughs> this is where it gets funny, actually. Zero death. <laughs> so, they separate the guys and the girls, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm in this AA meeting, they started off with this, this date, while I'm on holiday in Singapore. Now I'm in this AA meeting, with these (laughs) guys yeah i'm in the kitchen of this of this church and they're going around and they're just telling these stories when i say a meeting it wasn't like alcoholics anonymous it was just like where people tell about their problems or anything they're struggling with it was like a christian thing
0: oh okay yeah yeah yeah. going around the circle
1: they're going around the circle and it's everyone's telling their story my phone starts to vibrate And I know she's calling me and I know exactly why she's calling me as well. She's calling me to say that she's leaving. She's going back to her place. Yeah. Mm. This guy opposite me is telling me like his deepest, darkest, innermost secrets, man. Like the struggles that he's dealing with and everyone around is like listening intently. How the hell am I oh. supposed to be like, excuse me, one second, answer the phone, be like, yeah, I'm down to smash, be like, sorry, I'm about to smash the daughter's friend, <laughs> it was nice to talk with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew I knew she was calling me, I knew why she was calling me, but I ignored the phone. I let mm. everyone, We it went round, let everyone speak, when it got round to my turn, even I spoke, I was like, yeah, um, my name's Michael. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was like uh. um I tried to lighten
1: the mood. I was like I hear what you're saying, yeah, but like life's great, like and I, like you know I, a couple of years ago I was coming from um with fairy lights and beanbags and that's a that's a story for another pod for another podcast. And now I'm mm-hmm. out here smashing your friend's door. And then the guy shook my head. Okay, that didn't happen. But like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell him, when it came out to my turn, I was just like, Yeah, you should um things will get better. I was telling like uplifting stuff, yeah. And then everyone was done. And then they they said they were gonna take a minute to like pray or to like have a silence or something like that. And at that point I was like, Oh I'm sorry guys, I'm gonna have to have to head out. Mm. Oh, I- I don't even think I had the balls to say that. I think I said, can I use the toilet? And then I dashed out. just ran away. (laughs) I checked my phone when I left the room, and it was like four missed calls. As I'm walking past, because her friends were still there. She had left, but her friends were still there on the girl's side having their meeting. And I walked past the girl's bit to leave the church, and they were just laughing their head off at me. Mad. I go straight back to this girl's place, here, And, like, well, I meet her in the street. She takes me up to her place um she says that her we have to be real quiet and we have to be like a like a bit careful because her dad was like supposed to be back any second and i was like okay so if it happens then you'll just jump out the window right and i was like yeah of course i'll jump out the window, <laughs> I, don't out the window. I don't jump out of windows. like i'm not this I, I ain't this cool like these kind of stories this isn't my thing man I went to church to try and be saved. I'm not out here to live this <laughs> reckless jump. <laughs> no, but at this point, you know, that's not the part of my brain that switched on. So I'm just, I'm just being like, yeah, whatever, whatever you say, whatever you say, I'm nodding along, nodding along, go to her here. Things, things into you, the kids were made. Um, it was real cute as well. Like, um, was it, she does sketches. She gave me one of her sketches. I told her I might get it tatted. I really thought it was cool. I was really considering getting it tatted. Mm. And, uh, then she checks her phone and it says that I have to get out. And I'm like, why? Was, I was like, what'd you mean? She's like, no, nah, you have to get out. You have to go out the, uh, by this time, I'm already like mostly dressed. So I guess it's not that deep, but she basically chucks me out her window from her window. I have to jump down this, this ledge that's from the, from the second story. Down to the floor, right?
2: Mm.
1: I, I feel like this whole time she thought I was this cool guy, yeah. But the way I just like I was just um the way I went down this ledge, like I was looking over the ledge for like five minutes. I was like, Are you sure? Like, come on man, like, <laughs> Are you joking. It was like, yeah, but oh do I I I and then I was just like, I really do have to do this, don't I? Like oh, I'm not gonna fight her dad, am I? I was really weighing up like the possibility of just fighting her dad. Because it wasn't going to be my issue if anything happened afterwards, but you know, I was like, you know what? I'll jump down, whatever. I start to climb down. My phone falls out my pocket from the second story, smashes into a million pieces. Nightmare. I jump down after it. I land on my ass. Um, <laughs> I, I, I I scream out like "fuck you" as I'm leaving, and then like "thanks," and then like um something else. But um, run out, yeah. Then I realized that my phone won't turn on because it smashed into a million pieces, and it's like midnight, roughly midnight, and I have no idea where I am in Singapore. I don't even really know where our hostel is. So I'm running around, um looking for any civilians that will tell me where to go. A civilian points me in the direction of this train station, and um I run in that direction, and I come across a school. I hop, that, rather than going around or doing what someone else would do, I guess I hop the fence. Yeah, like
0: the- normal person.
1: Yeah. And when I hook the other fence of the school to get out of the school, my trouser leg gets caught in the fencing in the wire and completely like tears it to shreds. So it's like one leg is basically one leg of my jeans is like just ripped open. <laughs> so then I'm covered oh, in yeah. dirt. I'm covered in dirt and all this nonsense with my tattered clothes and I'm running up to pedestrians, screaming at them, asking for for the nearest train station. And for some reason, another thing I love about Singapore, they were so friendly, man. Guy just pointed me straight out. He was like, all right, you take a right, then you take a left or something like that. Then the station is right there. You can't miss it. I was like, mm-hmm. GG. Found the station, went back, went back to the hostel. And yeah, man, that was the wildest date ever had. I now have ridiculous, Gosh. expensive child support payments. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah that was that was just that was just one of the Singapore tales man Singapore was crazy like um, it was mad, man. I feel like now that I'm thinking about it I feel like you should get extra points for the alliteration
2: for what Toss the Shoes there no for
1: for for rhyming you should you should get <laughs> extra points <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare, because that's like that. Yeah, that's like one of the stars. Like um, one of the hidden achievements. Like get a, get get one that rhymes.
2: It's True.
1: Oh, and get one that on um.
2: When I came back through the border, they stamped it on my passport. What <laughs> a, a handshake! Actually,
1: you're you're. Ugh, nah, I won't make that joke. That joke's too dark. I was gonna make a joke about. About the 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 girl in Bali, but like now, nah, like we we've said some stuff that's probably gonna get us fired, but at least it won't put us in jail. Like I'm not going <laughs> to jail. So yeah, I'll I'll leave that for another time. But that's not even one of the top stories, man. I feel like if we're gonna end this, we need to end on like a real classic. And oh, I wish Gareth was here, man, because we can't. I can't tell these stories like Gareth does.
0: No, I'm I'm having Gareth on next. That's just going to be a whole two hours roast of Gareth. <laughs> but I think the most important question to follow up from that Singapore story was, did she call you back, though? No.
1: And I, my message as well, I was like, because I was so guessed. Like I said, this is coming from a background of never really having done anything like this before. And I just thought it was normal. I thought this was what dating was. That's the weirdest thing. I thought that like they all have electric tags. Like <laughs> <laughs> most of them end up in like these, these these AA meetings. Like this is like a traditional way of doing things. And like um, what'd you call it? Maybe like you know like when everyone was like um, the Nando's phase. Oh
0: yeah 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 yeah. And Nando, the Nando's yeah.
1: phase. And now there's like an AA meeting like criminal phase. Where, like, you know, people go out and they date these felons and have lean on Friday. Like, I thought there were all of these trends that I missed out on that were, like, the new norm. It turns out, no. So I messaged her and I was like, yo, that was, you just gave me, like, the most incredible story. Like, and I just, I just want to say thank you so much. No response whatsoever. Listen, I subscribe, I'm not ashamed to say that I I subscribe to the Patrice O'Neill logic. When it comes to this stuff, man. If anyone who doesn't know who I'm talking about, you yes. need to check that shit out. Yeah. I subscribe to Patrice O'Neill Logic, the, the, the wisest man when it came to this stuff. And if you need, if you know what I'm talking about, you want to talk about where the knowledge came from in terms of how you learned this stuff. And I said, like, experience, but experience of others. The Black Phillips show has been teach, has been educating the population on these matters for over a decade now. And all of that, all of those, uh, all of those shows, which is basically a show where this guy, this comedian, Patrice O'Neill, had a radio show with others. He had um he regularly had on people like Bill Burr. Um if you ever heard of Opie and Anthony, they were they had a show with them as well, and they would have people basically call in and ask like relationship questions. And they would answer those relationship questions while also telling their own, like, funny stories and stuff like that. And you can kind of, from, you got this, like, kind of philosophy, this overlying philosophy that fell through with all of it. And, like, I subscribe to that philosophy, which is basically, you have to, you, you have to understand the mechanics of this game and how it works. And it fundamentally comes down to the fact that you're dealing with two very different, it's almost like two different, like, um, species have you ever heard of like the have you ever heard him talk about the 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 harassment day joke oh yeah, yeah. where he's talking about fish <laughs> he's talking about he's talking yeah. about how men are like um fishermen yeah you yeah, the girls are like fish in the sense that you what do you do when you when you are uh, look what do fishermen do they go out they catch fish you know take a picture with it yeah, and they show it to about- the Show show it to their friends so that you know your friends know that you can catch fish, and then throw the fish back. And then any girl you end up with is a girl that jump is a fish that jumped back on the boat. And initially, the fish will jump back on the boat and be like, "Oh, I'm so you know, thanks for thanks for catching me." And then they'll try bit by bit, kind of strip away the thing that makes you attractive in the first place. So they'll be like. Mm-hmm. You know we <laughs> I'm just like we've been dating we've been seeing each other for six months now. Why'd you have a boat? <laughs> and' <then laughs> like i need i need to I need to have a fish mill on me. I need to show you that I can fish so that you basically know that I can catch other fish so that you don't treat you don't behave like absolute shit. Now, that may be a... I don't know if that's controversial thing to say. I don't know if that's controversial belief, but I believe that fully. And basically, the difference between Mm -hmm. where you say there's the PE guys and there's everyone else, the PE guys, that rule doesn't apply to The PE guys can do whatever they want because they have the physical attraction over it. The difference between everyone else, though, is that there are some people, when the fish comes on and says, you know, we've been seeing each other for three months, why do you have a boat? They get rid of the boat. And then it's like, you know... They'll be looking around. And they'll look at other 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 people fishing. They'll be like, well, you know, my my guy can't catch fish, and it all just goes downhill from there. You don't really, you look at those guys. You don't really rate them. You don't really respect them. So you're not really attracted to them. You end up leaving them. You end up disrespecting them. Whereas the mm. person that's like, you know what, I can catch other fish. It's a mentality thing. With the if someone's good looking, that's just an a, a factual truth. If a girl sees herself as a six and she sees her guy as a nine. And he mm. knows that that guy could be with better-looking girls. That's that's not something that he has to convince her of. That's just something that she inherently believes is true. She believes that this guy could get more attractive girls. So if she mm. wants to be with him, she has to cater to his interests.
0: No, I get that. It's a power dynamic, isn't it?
1: If she, yeah. If she doesn't have that belief from you physically, you have to impose it mentally. You have to. It's the same thing. You have to be able to make. If you, if you're with a girl and you want her to be, want her to, to, to respect your, your hustle and everything that you do, you need to let her, you need to be able to convince her that you can get, not even better, you can just get other girls. Like she could leave and you would be fine. I think that in a relationship, that's every girl's biggest fear. That one day they work up, like they work up this big anxiety, they work up the courage and they go, you know what, I'm leaving you. And then the guy would be like, e-! Finally, you know, calls up his boys. <laughs> like, "Yeah, bring those things over," and just has this great time. Like, I feel like that's every person's biggest fear when it comes to a relationship. You need to keep that. As toxic as it sounds, if you don't, but if if you don't keep that fear, then something much worse will happen, which is just you're just absolutely disrespectful. I don't even know how we got into this point. Neither. Uh, it has nothing. It has nothing to do with anything we were talking about before. <laughs> and if. <it>, uh, <laughs> It's a real good analogy that I like and yeah, um anyone listening listen to Patrice O'Neill, man. Patrice O'Neill is the maddest. Ken Carter too, a little bit. Yeah, although he did steal a lot of your jokes, Ken Carter. Like the the three to one theory. I oh, yeah. you, I heard you talk about that in like in uh primary school, man. And then this guy just comes on and makes a YouTube video about it.
0: a lot of Kane's jokes were taken from Patrice.
1: Yeah, I've, I've, I I, I kind of, back when I was a massive Kane fan, I defended it, but now that I've listened to a lot more Patrice and I've looked at the videos, and also, here's the interesting thing, he actually, um, Joe Rogan actually called him out on it, yeah, Joe well, Rogan made a very, yeah.
0: Interesting, I haven't seen that.
1: And uh, he made the point that, like, it's he was making a general point about, like, comedians that steal other people's work, and then he mentioned, like, Kane Carter for a bit but um he's basically saying you can tell the real frauds because when they have to write their own material it sucks mm, and when he like got getting millions of views it was when he was basically ripping off the stuff and when he the stuff the original stuff I'm, like i'm not taking anything i'm not taking everything away from him he still had some original stuff like the super mario bro like all of those little skits that he would do that's yeah, original that was- stuff the stuff with his friends, like when he's just telling stories about things that would happen with his friends, uh like the new friends video, that was all original stuff. But the stuff that really got the views, like um, simple mathematics, especially the three to one theory and all of that kind of stuff, like that was just not him. And then when he had to make his own stuff, I feel like he ran out. He was he was right. Run- like, obviously, massive things happened to him that made him change the direction anyway. But that was the yeah. thing that really made that was the thing, that was the thing that made, that made him lose a lot of views. When he started having to write his own material, he really struggled.
0: Mm. I know you've talked about it in the past, about how you feel like you didn't really, you know, we were saying that after school, you kind of went through Cambridge and uni and that, and you didn't really feel like it was worth it. We didn't really do much. Like, yeah. obviously now that you're graduating, what's your overall view on your experience?
2: I feel like I wasted an opportunity. A fantastic opportunity. I feel like uni in general, at um both at Cambridge
1: Mm -hmm. and at uni in general. I think I came in with a very kind of me against them attitude to Cambridge from very early on. I enjoyed freshers, but there was a turning point early in freshers where it was like um this kind of school disco we call it Bops, where that same guy that I mentioned before, the the guy that was like the uh, the black guy that was two years older than me that everyone loved. I remember not enjoying it, and I remember asking was like because everyone was hyping it up for ages. It was like the thing that ended f- freshers, and everyone was loving it. Apparently, it's this thing where you just drink beer, you dance to music. I was hearing all of these tunes that I, that I just you know I just can't dance to them, and yeah. I'm not really the biggest clubber anyway. But it was like, and I I think that summer I had been to. It was either that summer, but sometime recently I'd been to Trinidad. And i would like, so I'd lived that life. And I was at this book and I was just like, I'm not feeling it. And the guy was like, oh, you just need to drink more. And I think something like that, something, something about the way you said it, yeah, and who it was that was saying it triggered me. I was just like, I was just like, okay, nah, this ain't for me. Like, it's not going to be for me. And then there were various other things that happened later down the line that kind of, that kind of enforced that view like various things that I had with the people that lived around me and people that I that like people that I saw around the university and the things that I saw going on the the activities that I saw going on the activities that I participated in that I didn't really feel that much feel as much as everyone else but it was very much from early days a me against the world kind of attitude when it came to university and it's only till very recently that mm. I noticed that it didn't have to be like that. It really never had to be like that. And it was, and it made me feel like I had wasted a lot of, uh, a lot of, socially I wasted a lot of time and also academically I wasted a lot of time at university. Like, I'm basically, I'm walking out of university with a small handful of mates. Not many people know me. I wasn't very really active and you, I didn't really join, I didn't do any societies. I did make good friends, but I made few good friends. And outside of that, I didn't really have acquaintances. I wasn't well known. I didn't really do anything outside of study, hang out with my boys, uh, do the occasional, you know, mission and sleep a mm-hmm. lot and various other things. So like, I'm kind of, I'm very like, uh, I'm very regretful of how I spent my university years in the sense that, um, I could have like, um, I didn't I didn't have to come in with these negative this negative attitude towards university. Like it's not that bad. I feel like I was so out to dislike everything. And the things really weren't that bad. Like they were like I've said I didn't really go to formals. Formals are fun, man. Formals are these like once you get past the fact that it's black tie. That's I would always harp on about the fact that you have to get dressed up in tuxedos. Why don't people go KFC and stuff like that? Where I was completely Mm. missing the point. The point is, is that it's something outside of all of the work that you do. It's a time where you can meet up with your friends, have food and, you know, drink copious amounts of wine and generally enjoy yourself. Maybe go out afterwards and stuff like that. But you get to see everybody and you get to, you know, you do it in a nice environment. Like a lot of the most of the forms that I went to, I liked like at some point it just I, I I like I never really got the point of these things. I was trying to find. I was very combative with all of these things. I was trying to find reasons not to go to all of these things when I should have just relaxed and just been like, you know what? It's, it's, it's not Trinidad and it's not Hounslow either. Like it's, it it could be better. Like these parties aren't crazy. It's not like these things are crazy, but it's better than just chilling in your room. Mm. Do you get what I mean? I spent a lot of time either chilling in my room or just chilling in a mate's room. I've spent yeah, even yeah. times where, uh, um, I would pre with my friends and when my friends went to the club, I wouldn't go. I was so focused, this is back before the holiday. I was so focused on getting tings and not getting tings and getting bitter when I wouldn't that I forgot that the whole point of a night out is just getting, is, you know, being out with your boys and having fun and having bands. Remember that whole, remember that time you gave the speech about going prism? You've been saying that for years.
0: Mm. Just have a good time, man. And I,
1: yeah. And I was so wrapped up in everything having like a point or a mission like what's the point of formals what's the point of that rather than just going with the flow i was so resistant to going with the flow and the reason why it sunk in in terms of regretfulness is because when everyone my years my obviously my course is four years when everyone graduated at the end of third year so i had a group of seven year and Mm. three of my friends three of that group graduated and there were four of us left so that's me uh sam mark and Shane. Now, Mark and Shane would just hang out with each other. They're just weird like that. They just played Fortnite all day, every day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Gamers.
1: Yeah, they no, but they had the sleep schedule. Like, their sleep schedule was not really adapted from um Hong Kong time. So they would just be up at, like, the middle of the night and be sl- sleep throughout the entire day and just mm. game and just do, like... So I, I was just, like... They were just, just spending all the time with each other and, like, doing work and chilling indoors. So I didn't really want to do that. Sam made the the good move to actually start hanging out with first years in when he was in third year so by the time we got to fourth year he had all of these second years around him that were always going out always doing things so he had you know girls that wanted to get with him because he was the older guy he was he was he had, was going pub all the time he was going club all the time he was still active yeah. i put found myself in a position oh yeah joe and them a lot had left as well so i'm in a position where no one's around. Like even a lot of the mates that I had from other colleges all graduated or work as well. So I was doing absolutely nothing. That's when it hit me. I was doing nothing, but seeing. Um, actually, no, I won't even go into that. But I was I was doing nothing, right? And hmm. that's when it kind of clicked that like this is so dead, and I have no one to blame but me. In the sense that like I. I could have been I could be out there doing doing all of this stuff, and like I said, it's not incredible stuff. it's not like I'm missing out on festivals or fantastic or you know fantastic holidays, like I said, just the idea that I was like in my room and I didn't have to be, but I chose that kind of like that being in your room life instead of just like a, like going with the flow and just mixing with people, so I regret that, and academically um. I regret not being more realistic from day one. You know that F1 dream? I dreamed of, um if we want to go into the specifics of it, when it came to F1, year, I remember mm. one time it was 2012, and it was where the third time Vettel won the championship, and mm. he had come from behind to do it. It was like a very tense year that year. And I remember seeing him win and seeing the engineers go crazy and I held that image for years, as in like that's all of the work that I'll ever do will be so worth it when you get that moment. Winning yeah. a championship. To me, winning a championship one, winning a championship was everything to me. And it was something that I believed that I could do. If I worked hard enough, I could do it. And I went to university and I was fixed with this view. You know, there's a couple I I I never even think like thought about what it would be like to work. Like I can see now why in interviews it was kind of alienating when people asked me about the career. Cause I kept talking about how I was going to work my way up to the top, but I completely missed the point of working, like the, the groundwork that you have to do for the many years that you're working as like a junior before you get to rise to like management levels, before you get to hold trophies and stuff like that. All of that work you have to do. And I never really understood the reality of it. The reality the of it is in F1, you work, you work for pretty much bum pay for 13, 14 hour days during the season.
2: Hmm. You know, not-
1: at any time, I, I just, I, both socially and academically, I just had this defiance, man. People would tell me stuff and I was just so sure that I was right and I wouldn't listen to anyone else. I was so sure that formals were bad and everyone else was wrong. They just didn't get it. They didn't get why it was bad. Do you get what I mean? Mm. People used to tell me that F1 wasn't worth it. I should start thinking about other avenues. I was just like, you don't understand What loving F1 is like so like I'm just not going to really take your point of view seriously and it came down to my final year where it's like okay realistically I see friends going into banks you know working for banks I see friends working for these trading firms I have people I know people like I'm close with people that are walking into six figure salary jobs straight away from university and then suddenly I'm looking at my own goals and I'm looking at you know, I start looking more into the work. Is the work really that interesting? Like, I have definitely fell out of love with engineering while I was at university. Do I really love the under, like, understanding fluid dynamics that much? Do I love it enough to dedicate 14 hours a day to it for bum pay? Where that means that, because I live in London, it means that I won't be able to move out for years. Also, F1, all of the factories are in the UK, which means I'd have to live here I'd have to commit my entire life to living in this country, which is something that I don't really want. After thinking about it, after traveling, it's not really something that I want to do. So by the time I started to ask these questions, I started to think about these questions. It was almost too late. I was lucky enough to put myself into a career path. That's going to, that's doing something that I enjoy. That's going to allow me to do the things that I want to do, which is travel, which is able to earn enough money that I can like move out at a decent age and start my adult life at a decent age. But I was so Damn defiant. And had I just made, had I just realized this stuff earlier, I could have, you know, I could have saved myself a lot of, a lot of, I could have given myself a lot more good times in terms of the social aspects. And I could have saved myself a lot of effort and given myself a better career when it comes to like the academic stuff, man. So yeah, massive, like not to say it's the end of the world. I came out of university with good friends, a good job a good mm. career path, you know, good prospects, like, yeah. I, remember, I remember telling you guys, when I was killing myself trying to, like, um make sure I ace the interview, when I got, like, when I got an interview for Cambridge, I remember telling myself, when I got the offer, that that was it, like, I've won, anything that happens after today, I've won, because something bad in Cambridge is still, you know... Even if you, even if it's not the best Cambridge degree, it's still a Cambridge degree. For someone like me, from where I come from, that's just a win. You can't really lose from that position. So I mm-hmm. remember, and it still applies to this day, that that day was the day that was, was the most important day of my life, that interview. In the sense that, cause I got it right, it's very hard to get it wrong afterwards. So I'm not really, I'm not regretful in the sense of, I should have gone to a different uni. And I know I've been saying that for a while. But that's not the case. I, I'm not regretful. Like I should have gone to a different uni and I'm not regretful in the sense that I've left with nothing. I've left with some pretty good stuff.
0: Yeah. But it could have been more. Mm.
1: And, and the reason why it wasn't is all me. It's all my own like stupidity. It's all my own defiance. It's all of my own kind of stuff, man. You, you know, when we were in Singapore, uh, uh not Singapore, remember Indonesia? Yeah. Bali. This is the best way, of descri- this is the best way of describing it. Yeah, Parley. You remember when we went to the club that time and I was behaving like, like an animal? Like, yeah. almost unrecognizable. Well, not unrecognizable for you because you know that I, like, that
0: animal. You're getting dumb then. <laughs> yeah.
1: It was like that. But like, so basically, I feel like as I've got older, that bit, that kind of dumb nature has like reduced and I'm able to have a calm head and like relaxed and like re- chill with people and stuff like that. But it's still there. And it's been like when I was younger, it was very, very prevalent. That kind of dumb, aggressive, defiant attitude towards everything. Mm. And think like my. Yeah. So now it's like I'm looking back and I see all of the like now that. I can chill with people now. That I can relax. I see all of the good times that I could have had. And instead of good times, it's either being alone in my like chilling or like actual negative things like that like that club night so but you live and you learn do you know what i mean it's, it's better to learn it than to never learn it but in terms of yeah what i learned from university and university gave me a lot of good skills as well it gave me a work ethic that i never had before i used mm. to be very content to sit around all day and just play xbox now i always have to be doing something um definitely matured me a lot it humbled me a lot 'Cause it took away that ego of being the best at maths
0: that yeah, I had to... yeah, yeah. that's uni.
1: Yeah. And uh it gave me some good social experiences as well. But uh oh, yeah. I don't, yeah, that that basically to answer your question, yeah. University was something that I could have done a lot better i could have uh, I could have had more of an influence than I did, also that's another thing, man. I feel like not to toot my own horn or anything, but you see how you've been active with this podcast and this youtube channel, yeah,
2: yeah,
1: I remember a friend of mine telling me that um I should have done like uh I should have at least tried doing stand up or something like that i never mm-hmm. for for the years that I was there. I never, there, there's so many things that I've always wanted to do. Like I've always wanted to kind of like make a show. I wanted to do like a kind of like an adult swim thing, like an animated thing. There's things that I've wanted to do. Never put like radio show, all of that kind of stuff. Never put any effort into doing those things or meeting the people that did those things. And obviously when you then look at people like Josh Crow and what's going on with um Baby Step, I'm not saying I could have done it, but it's kind of annoying to feel like my student life is over and I never even tried to do it.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: If you try, if you tried it and it just turned out to never be that big. Like for example, if you had this idea that you would do a podcast and you become Joe Rogan overnight, and it never happened, at least you could say, okay, well, I tried to make a podcast, it didn't happen. Now I'm going to Mm. focus on other things, or now I'm just going to continue. I I like doing what I do. I'm just going to continue with it. But uh, yeah, if you had if you had this idea of always doing a podcast and then you just never got around to it, and then it got to the point where you couldn't. Like once this coronavirus stuff is done. I'm starting my career.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: You know, I'm not going to be a student anymore, so I'm not going to have access to all of these things that I've had access to for so many years. I'm not going to have access to these clubs and all of these resources to go and do this stuff. So it's almost like I took my foot off the gas. I tried so hard to get into university. I didn't try as hard when I was there. I didn't try hard socially. I didn't try as hard as I could have academically. And like as. Actually, no, that's not even true. It's the focus because I tried very hard while I believed in the F1. I tried very hard to realize that dream. It's only when I realized that I didn't want it. And then I was running, desperately running out of time to find an alternative. Like, thankfully, I did. There's a lot of people in my situation, fourth year engineers for fourth years that didn't secure work. And now the coronavirus has hit. And obviously, companies aren't really doing interviews and stuff anymore. And they don't really know where they're going to be. So there's a lot of graduates right now that are in a very precarious situation that. Thankfully, I'm not in. But it's just very, I feel like when when it hit me, when it hits, it's just a very kind of low feeling when you realize that things could have been better. And the reason, no, not even that, things could have been better. Well, yeah, it's the combination of those two things. Things could have been better and the reason why they weren't is you. But also, Mm -hmm. yeah, time is up. Like you've learned this thing, but it's too late now to implement the things that you've learned. You just have to live with the fact that you could have done things better. And that's it.
2: Like, that's the end of the story. So. I don't know. That's peak. Yeah. But it's it's not, like, it's not. It's not very peak. Just kind of peak.
1: I don't know. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say, yeah, I wouldn't even say, I don't even know if peak is the right word. Because like Mm -hmm. I said, I've had some, some amazing, like, some properly amazing times. Mm. and all, also this whole thing's a process as well you're always going to look back and be like I could have done this like that's just human nature you could ask anybody like there's always stuff that you could do better and this stuff less, like in all honesty this stuff only really started to affect me uh in my final year and that's because a lot of people graduated yeah But, and like I said who knows that if I had done all of these things that I would have even enjoyed them anyway like um had I tried all these things so but yeah it's just a little bit of a regret that I, that I have but I'm very um what was your what was even your original question were you asking me about uni or were you asking me about like what I've learned from uni
0: no I mean you kind of answered it just how your your reflective view I guess on uni having now you're a graduate and okay answered it,
1: Nah, cause now I'm making it sound like I just regretted everything. That like, I I was just focusing on like the stuff that I that could have gone better. I think um there's other things I could talk I I just want to round off quickly by talk about some other things about uni that I think is important that I've learned. Mm-hmm. One is that education is a little bit of a scam. <laughs> yeah. I kind of had the idea of it before but I never really fully realized it until I started looking at the numbers while I was in university um education in this country is a scam because um more and more people are like more and more people are going to university um mm-hmm. people are getting jobs people are getting degrees that are virtually worthless like the earning potential of, there are some degrees where the earning potential is actually less than someone that doesn't have a degree so not only do you have all of that student debt you leave university and you get jobs that are worse than people that don't have degrees.
0: Yeah, I've seen that.
1: So it means that they don't pay back their student loan. So that's the bottom people. So the bottom class of people are people that get degrees that aren't good enough to pay back their student loan. Then you have the top class of people who don't take loans at all. They pay for their education upfront. So nine K a year, they'll pay that. Then Mm. they don't have a student loan. The people in the middle, the people that go to Russell group universities or people that go to universities that have good earning potential and they take student loans are screwed because I worked out here. If you account for inflation because of national insurance, and student loan, I'll have to pay. No, just from student loan alone, I'll have to pay 132,000 pounds.
0: Yeah. Back over 30 years.
1: Yeah. That's from the initial 36 K of debt that I have. Mm,
0: well,
2: just 45. to get,
1: just to put, just to put things into perspective um as if i was to earn 70k at the age of um 30 years old in the uk my mm. take home money would be 45000 so i would lose 25000 pounds to taxes
0: and national insurance in that year
1: yeah in singapore as a citizen if you earn if you're 30 years old and you're earning 70k your take home pay is 66k Mad. Just from being in a different country, you earn twenty one thousand pounds more from the same salary i don't know mm-hmm. what the percentage is of that twenty one thousand is roughly like what uh just somewhere between twenty and twenty five percent It's
0: like thirty percent
1: okay thirty percent
0: yeah
2: yeah so yeah you're earning 30, your, your take home pay is thirty percent more
1: because you're in a different country, and even if you're a foreign expert. Like, even if you're not a citizen, you still earn way, you still get way more take home pay. So that's something I've realized from university, that education system in this country is a little bit of a scam because you have all of these people that can't pay back their student loans. So what they do is they raise the interest on these student loans so that the people that can pay them back, you're basically paying for everyone else that can't pay it back. So I'm not just paying back my student loan. I'm paying back the student loan. Of five other people that are getting jobs where they won't be able to afford to pay it back, yeah that's basically happening with the education system, so it's screwing it's screwing people like me so that more universities can take on more students so that more people are paying nine k a year so that the universities get more money, so basically it's taking money out of my pocket and putting it in the university's pocket, like literally
0: yeah, that's what's been hours though what and if you look my at my.
1: If you look at like say Claire and Jack, what did they do? Apprenticeship at sixteen, worked for Sky. They've been working since they were sixteen. They have their own place. They've had their own place for, you know, at least a year now.
2: Mm. Yeah, I'm
1: I'm here. I'm 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 spending isolation in my mum's house. And I'm like, (laughs) like I said, I'm the Cambridge student. Like that's like this is as good as this is as good as the education system gets. Mm. And it's not really giving me much. So education is a bit of a scam.
2: And um uh yeah, I
1: think that's about it. Like, drugs are great.
0: Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. shame by Michael Harvey are not representative.
1: <laughs> <laughs> drugs are cool. Um, you know,
2: education is uh education
1: is boring as well i used to think that i liked the subjects but a big reason why i liked school was because of class it was just fun a lot of the fun goes when you go to university i guess it has to like it becomes work like it becomes a job like you are it's gearing you up for getting a job so it's going to have to stop being a classroom at some point but like if you if you love your subject at school don't necessarily think that you're going to love it at uni because it becomes a different thing
2: and um Just final points.
1: I don't know, man. Uni's fun. Like, my over... If I was to say... If I was to sum all of this up, and, like, I was giving advice to one other person, I would say that... University is an enjoyable experience, man. If you can do it in a financially viable way, you should do it. Because it's a real experience. Being a student, because... It's a few more years where you can wake up like, like, let's be real. You can miss lectures. You can wake up whenever you want, as long as you're kind of getting through the degree. Mm. If you choose to see it as a job, you can see it as a job. You can work nine to five. You can do fantastically well. And that's fine. If you choose to, what I'm saying is when you go into work, that's not your choice. You can't choose. When you come into night to work at 9am, that's not because, Oh, you've decided to attend work today. You have to, or you get fired. That's not the same with uni. If you want to go to a lecture, you can. If you can't, they don't kick you off the course. Yeah. You can work around you. You can do as much as you need or as little as you need to pass the exam. You can, I spent, I spent my entire second term of first year. It was beautiful. It was one of the most beautiful periods of my life. Me and two mates of mine, we had this friend who loved rolling and me, him and this other guy, we would go out every other, we would meet up every other day and watch american sitcoms eat amazing home-cooked meals like we would we would take turns cooking and stuff and that would be our that we would just chill we would chill all day we would chill like during the and this was like it was a really warm spring as well so we would just chill out in the sun while everyone's like working <laughs> <laughs> and we all parlor like <laughs> it was, that's what i mean like that that part of your life like it extends the child bit of your life. If, as soon as you go into work, I feel like the child bit of your life is over. Because mm, you're no, constrained. You have to be at work nine to five. I'm, I'm not saying that it means you have to get married. doesn't mean you have to have kids. But you have to be at a certain place. Like, they now control a certain portion of your life. Your job, mm. whatever it is. As a student, you get to be a kid for three or four more years, basically. Like, obviously, you have to work. But it's nothing compared to having a job. You still get to, you know, and you're, if you're living on halls, that means you get to live around people, you get to live around your friends. When you leave university, if you're not living at home, if you're not renting a space with like a handful of mates, or you're living with like a partner or something, it's definitely not the same as living on halls. You can, you know, you could have 90% of your mates be within five minutes walk of you. That's, That's something that's exclusive to university. So it's, it's, it's real fun man it's like as much as I say I regret it it's a lot more fun than four years of being in a job would have been and like I said if it's financially viable in the sense that if it's not screwing you over because a lot of the times it is then you should go university just for the experience because it's such an experience
0: mm. yeah I would always say like the degree for most people isn't worth it but the experience is priceless at least to me
1: and if you, if you do the right things, the degree is good too. It puts you in contact. You know what it is? You have to see opportunities as they are. If you're, so, so for example with me, if I'm at, if I'm at Cambridge, right?
2: Mm.
1: I'm around the people that I, I could have, I could have been in contact. Like this is something that I also regret not doing. Why did I not make, put myself in contact with the people that were basically going to be running the world in the next 20 years? Cause they all went there.
2: Hmm. Yeah, networking. These... Huh? Networking.
1: Yeah, do you get what I mean? So there's that. That's another thing with university. If you're not gonna guy that's gonna be on top of the world, you can at least meet the person that is.
0: Hmm. Like within you can... your engineering class, there was at least one future F1 person in there.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of things that I've learned about life in terms of how, like, how, a lot of the stuff I know now about how money works, about how taxes work. I've got from just observing friends of mine, people that I would have never met if I didn't go to university, people that went to these top-ass private schools, people that have parents that are worth hundreds of millions, that they know this stuff naturally. So I don't. If I'm just around them long enough, that information kind of just filters off. You know, I was talking about how to apply for for banks and stuff, how to write good cover letters. Um, how mm. that wasn't the service that did that. That's just from being around people. That know how to do this stuff.
2: Yeah, if we yeah, were yeah. just
1: the same people from school, I would have never picked up this information. There's no one to learn it from.
2: Mm. So yeah, that's another. Yeah.
1: University is useful because it puts you, if you, it puts you in contact with, it puts you in the same vicinity as uh, the people that are going to change the world. And I don't just mean academically. I don't mean when it comes to money. Imagine if your passion was comedy. And you went to university. If you went to Cambridge, that means you went to the same university that Richard A.O. Addy went to. Those, I forgot their names, but the guys from Peep Show, they were in a drama club. They were in footlights at Cambridge. There's so many opportunities to, to find, to meet these people, see these people go to places that you would have never gone to otherwise. And that's not just exclusive to Oxbridge. That's university. That's what university does. It pulls all of these people together. When you've got a pool of people, you've got opportunities.
0: Yeah, that's the big, the big benefit of having a community, isn't it. Yeah,
1: um. Yeah, that's it, man. That's All it. Alright.
0: Yeah, yeah, to wrap up, because obviously it's been two and a half hours, I guess like the main takeaways then would be like, to take advantage of the opportunity, opportunities you do get, because you never know until it's too late, half of the time. And I guess fundamentally, just like, enjoy yourself, innit? Um. One day one day there's going to be a time where you're locked down you can't do anything. Make the most of the good days. Anticipate the bad ones.
1: Yeah, but doing that I feel like it's, it's very easy to say that and have those words have no meaning. I feel like if you really want to enjoy yourself, if you really want to enjoy yourself or you really want to live your best life or whatever people are saying, if you really want to do that, you really have to you really have to try and understand your emotions and stuff and how you work. A great way to see it is, um, like if you've been watching Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad, you see these characters that are in denial about their true personas, what they really want to do, and that's what puts them in so much danger. If they're not, if they were just, if they were just honest with themselves from the beginning, so if it's like, Walter White is just like, you know what, I love the idea of people thinking that I'm the boss, and people thinking that I'm really powerful, and that's what I'm getting from this, um... I could fulfill that need some other way without putting like everyone I know and killing loads of people. Like for me like if you if you had told me in first year to s- relax and start enjoying myself, I wouldn't have started going out more. I would have done whatever I thought at the time was the best thing to to do, which would have been, you know, spending more time chilling. <laughs>
2: yeah. Because you
1: have to you you well, to on, move in the right dire- to move in the right direction, you have to like, you need a map, you need a compass, you, 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 when you tell people just to live their best lives, it's like, just continuing down the road that you're on, doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you're doing things great, because there's so many other paths you can take, so if you, if you want someone to relax and start enjoying themselves, you want someone to live better, I guess the advice that I would say is that, um, yes, you should enjoy yourself, you should relax and live well, but if you're not, if you're in a situation, this, this is the one, this is my takeaway from this whole thing, if you're in a situation, and it's funny because it has nothing to do with university, it has nothing to do with anything we were even talking about. It's kind of a general <laughs> point. Calm. If you're in a situation where things aren't going the way you plan them to, whether it be you're not enjoying yourself enough in life, you're not making as much money as you wanted to, you didn't get the job that you want, if you're unhappy for a reason, you have to mm. work out why that, that is. is.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you
1: know what I mean? You can't just, and you really, and that, that's hard. That's a lot harder, a lot easier said than done because it may involve revealing some truths about yourself that you'd rather not know. But in order to improve, in order to improve your life, you need to know those things. You need to know, you need to know basically where you're fucking up so that you can stop fucking up. But that means holding a mirror in front of yourself. So if things aren't going well, Honestly, you need to take the time as painful as it is. You need to swallow the swallow the pill and be like, what am I doing? That's making what am I doing or what am I not doing? Why I think? why am I unhappy with this situation? And then you have to once you once you figure that out, you have to put in effort. You have to put in work to really try and do something. And that's the that's another thing we're designed to we're creatures of habit humans are creatures of habit we're designed to follow habits very easily it's very hard for us to break habits even if it's the right thing to do so all of these adjustments and all of these changes i think like that's one reason why today you have a lot of uh you know a lot of depressed people a lot of anxious people if you really want to fix the issue at the end of the day it requires work it means if you never if you know that something's not working, you have to be bold enough to try something new, even if it feels wrong, even if it feels weird. To someone that's never exercised before, yo, ec- the idea of exercising every day is just alien. And mm-hmm. exercising a couple times. If you're just an avid gamer, you know, not not gaming for a week and doing something else for a week is going to feel so weird to you. Even, like, if if you're late, if you're used to sleeping at 3, a, going to bed at 3am and you train you're trying to train yourself to go to bed at like nine, ten p.m it's gonna feel so alien to you man and it requires it's because to form new habits it requires work so yeah i know that's a very long takeaway i'll do one last like very short one sentence wrap up basically if you're in a situation where things aren't going the way you want it to you have to work out what's going on and you have to put in effort to fix it you know why because if you don't coronavirus is going to hit and you'll spend your whole time wondering what you could have done instead of fixing the, isu- fixing the issue at the time. See, yeah. a lot of this is what time does. A lot of people are sat at home right now thinking about what they could have done. If they had taken the time to think about it at the time, they could have done all the things that they're now wishing they did.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I guess in, in a nutshell, it's like you only regret the things you don't do, innit?
1: Yeah, I I miss I wanna go KFC man. You know what? <laughs> I don't know why. I'm kind of bounce on this man. I need this you, if you're doing a podcast thing man, you definitely need to get a whole of squad on this on
2: this at some point, man.